What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Bandwagon Nerds is taped in front of a live studio audience. Again, fellow basement dwellers, this is your good friend Patrick O'Dowd welcoming you into another edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Bandwagon Nerds is, of course, brought to you by the Chairshot Radio Network on thechairshot.com, where we encourage you to always use your head. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. And we are back once again to cover. That 70s Project Television Edition. This week we are covering action programs. Very excited about this one. I'm looking forward to seeing how Dave bends the rules. How Ray, who wasn't even a blink or a twinkle in anybody's eye, picks at random. And how Tunny can break the fucking rules this time. Because, sir, I was nice last week. But upon reflection... Using the family moniker as a way to bypass the comedies that you didn't want to put on later on. No, I, I do. I do. No, no, no. I just no, wanted to add this. more. Oh, this is yours. It. Take bring it. Take it. Take uh, it. You manipulated. You manipulated the show, ooh. and there was and it was a clever use of the rules. I'll give you. I'll give you credit in that you Dominic Toretto'd the whole damn show, <laughs> talking about it being about family. This is a family. Family, but the more and more I got back, the spirit of the category, sir, was things you could watch with your family. And I, you're like, you're number 10. Um, upon, like, come on, dude, <laughs> Ray, you missed a lot of wrong things, you know, in last week's program. I don't know if you looked back, there were some, there were some 
it, uh, unfortunate jokes made by one Patrick O'Dowd. I did that. That was me. Mm. I did. I, I may have made a concentration camp joke or two. Oh, uh, from the guy who's number one movie of the uh, ever or whatever decade it was, which was list. Oh, the dramas. Yeah, I did that. Yeah. Hey. That was me. This is the 90s. Hey, on brand. Hey, I'm not proud of it. But, you know, here it is. I, I booed myself. It's okay. Did, did uh, the joke land? That's all that matters. Oh, God, no. Are you kidding me? Oh, well, it's just awkward and wrong. <laughs> the, two, the two Jewish dudes on the show were just like, okay, thanks, man. They, they in no way, shape, or form played it up or acted the victim. Hmm. In no Watch way. my hands with this entire situation then, huh? You should. There you, you go. Should, step, step away. Just leave we, it. We just are, leave it behind. The bandwagon is a little bit different this week. We, of course, you've heard the voice of one PC Tunney, as I called him out early on his bending of the rules. You've heard the voice of the Reverend Raymond S. Cashington III here on the program. Sorry, Mr. Saturday Night PC Tunney on the program. And then the lawyer himself, David Ungar, you heard him chime in as well. The OG, along with myself, on the bandwagon. We... Yes, we have a we have a more loaded than usual show today, everyone, because the Super Bowl happened last weekend, uh, the previous Sunday, not not this last Sunday, I'm the one before, and that is always big big time trailer dropping for us, and so we have a loaded trailer park that we just have to cover this week before we get into the project, and as you all are probably aware ant-man and the wasp quantum mania dropped in theaters this past thursday everyone everyone in the bandwagon has seen ant-man and the wasp quantum mania and we of course are going to have thoughts they will not be spoiler free this is your first warning before your next warning but here we are lots to talk about and then we will get into part four of the project of the that 70s project which is which is uh action shows action television shows uh and i'm looking forward to that list a little bit different no asop this week uh because reasons now i I will say i personally have had time with asop asop and i recorded in a very exciting five by five yesterday so look forward to dropping that at some point he is uh I also seen Aesop yesterday. He went to Ant-Man with us, uh, with his daughter, got to meet his daughter, little Allison. And she was, she was great. She enjoyed the movie thoroughly. Um, He's refrigerator shopping with the missus today. So. Hey, I have been there guys. uh, As, Oh, since, you know, since we're going, my marriage is in trouble, gentlemen, this kitchen renovation, this kitchen renovation could be the end of this. I'm just saying like, I, I, it's really testing our relationship as, uh, uh, it started. The, the, the demo has begun. The kitchen is no more. There is there's no kitchen. Uh, but the miss is O'Dowd because this started on Friday, which was already a couple of days earlier than when it was happened. She she had to finish emptying everything and putting things in places, which is not the, the stress on the relationship. It's that she didn't tell me where any of the goddamn stuff was. <laughs> and so Friday morning. As I'm trying to find breakfast to feed our child, no one is awake because it's 5.30 in the morning. And I'm like, where is everything? Um, and let's just say feelings were hurt. Like things were 
things were a little tense. Hey, so yeah, Patrick, you just you just slide some slippers and a coat on, and you go down to the diner and get yourself a coffee and breakfast, and come back. Well, I'm not you. That's not that's not my thing. So. Well, no one's awake. Who is there to stop you? You could have even whispered. There's... You could have you could have whispered like medium level. Does anybody care? I'm gonna go out for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> and then you were gone, and you're like, hey, I you guys didn't hear me. I, I'm only asked once, you know. And then you get to have peaceful breakfast time. See, I really. Uh, I mean, it, it did. It did work out. Go ahead, Dave. I thought I thought you were gonna say your marriage is in trouble because you have no more kitchen, and the kitchen is where you and the missus get amorous more often than not. Oh, wow. And now. Now you've no, got to no, come no. up we with something. We don't do that. We don't. We don't. Not do that only is this thing. where we eat dinner every night, little O'Dowd, but this is where you were made. Yeah, right next to the fruits. Really? No, no, we don't. Okay. We don't do that. No, no, that's not. That's not, that's not where that happens. For the record, I mean, it's I mean, a banana. It, may, for the record, maybe it had. It's not a banana. No judgment here. Well, kitchens are right I, sometimes. Every once in a while. Here's, here's the thing. I sex and food is. I'm just not down. <laughs> I just know. Like I don't like I. Sex is messy enough. I don't need to add syrup into the the you know the mix or don't knock it till you tried it. I'm not. I'm sure it's wonderful. I'm sure people have enjoyed it. I we have I, chocolate has been involved at different times in in our you know in other years. You've learned a lot. Green, and yet, you know, but it was but it, maybe she's to, mad because you're talking about your sex life on the <laughs> to be to be blunt though nothing to, be, to do well, with the kitchen. Personally, but personally for me, you know, sex and food. It's fine. It's fine. Oh, okay. Uh, you give it okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> so, so we'll segue nicely into something not sexual at all. And this is your second and final warning, noble listener. If you haven't left after hearing about Patrick O'Dowd's sex life, now is your opportunity to move on, <laughs> walk away, because it is time to talk Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, no, there will not. This will be a spoiler-filled conversation. We do not. Uh, we are not spoiler-free. We've never been spoiler-free. We never will be spoiler-free because it just doesn't make sense from my perspective to talk about the damn show or a movie without actually talking about the movie. So, as we typically do, gentlemen, everyone here has seen the film Ray saw it first. He saw it on the day it dropped on Thursday. I went with a little O'Dowd uh, on Friday where we horribly mistimed the dinner rush at Pizza Hut. Got there right before the dinner rush at Pizza Hut. So, like, we got our food, like, super fast, and then everybody showed up. So we were at the theater, like, an hour and a half before showtime. And, and little O'Dowd, if you follow – Dave, I'm sure, saw this. That poor kid had the most bored look on his face because we had to sit in a movie theater lobby with like three video games waiting for them to let us into the movie theater. Well, I was, oh, you don't I was a... seeing ghosts in your fucking picture and stuff. So don't worry about me. Yeah. Man. Right. It's just, that was a man in a hoodie, but you know, it's okay. The theater, so you think by me, we got a really nice arcade. There's like 10, 12 games. Yeah. I don't know what happened to this cinema. They have like three games and they're all like $8 to play. And it's like, why, what in the world? This seems unfair. So, all right, let's get to it. Let's talk about the movie itself first. Quick once around around the room. Uh, thoughts and feelings about Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania. We talked about this prior to going that critics were really tough on this movie. And Rotten Tomatoes had it at like 46% 
Like they have declared this movie rotten. Um, I'll save my my opinion on on that for last. Uh, we'll go diagonally from me this time, and I'm going to start with PC Tunney. Um, your thoughts? You saw it in 3D, I'm assuming, because that's the only way you see movies. You saw it with Aesop. So if you have any insight on how Aesop felt about the movie too, feel free feel free to share those as well. But overall thoughts on Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantum Mania. Uh, not only did I see it with Aesop, his daughter Allison went with us, and not only did I see it with them, I saw it with DP and the Dillinator and DP's brother. So there were six of us that went to this movie. Wow. Um, it was funny because I always text Dan now that I'm off on the weekends. I'm like, hey, want to go see this? Sure. His lady was in. I work with his brother, asked him. He goes, he's in. Aesop shows up at the Super Bowl party last week, and I'm like, hey, you want to go see this? Boom, he's in. 3D. Yeah, I thought it was really good. I enjoyed the movie. There were a couple parts that made me go, hmm. There was one part that we can get to where there were like some of the best actors in the world acting like horribly, and it pissed me off for about 30 seconds. Uh, but I, overall, I was very entertained. I liked that it wasn't fucking three hours long. And Aesop enjoyed it. Uh, DP enjoyed it. Everybody liked it. Aesop, I think, had a few problems with a few things, but he can come on and bust balls on his own um, uh, on that. But overall, everybody was happy that they went. It seemed like the whole crowd was happy, and they gave you some good stuff at the end, too. Excellent. Ray Ray and I talked a little bit about his quibbles, uh, at least a couple of the quibbles that he had with the film. So we'll go to we'll go to Ray next with his overarching view opinion of Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. So so I want to start off by saying it's a really good movie. Um there you're probably gonna hear quite a bit of um some quibbles or things that people would have liked to have seen done differently. But I don't want people to th- listeners to hear that and think that we didn't like it. It was a really good movie. Um, and all, But I think the problem I have with the movie ties into a lot of the people, maybe not in the same vein, but ideologically, ideologically the same problem that maybe the, the critics had. It's expectations. I normally, you guys can attest to this, I normally don't go into these movies with expectations. I try my best not to. Um, I went into this one with, with high expectations. And my only issue with the movie was the scale. The expectations that were set for me, from my, in my opinion, were that the scale of the movie was going to be much bigger than your standard Ant-Man and the Wasp. Ant-Man and the Wasp, Ant-Man and the Wasp aren't um, cosmic heroes. They're Earth-bound, almost street-level heroes. Just, we're not talking about Hank Pym here, we're talking about Scott Lang. So he may be a genius, but like he's still a dude who's on the street. You know what I'm saying? So... Um, and I, I, I want to read directly what I wrote to, what I wrote to you, Patrick, because it, I think it encapsulates it better than I could say it now. Um, uh, what I, I said that my only issue I had was the scale. While it wasn't big, while it was big an idea, ultimately it didn't feel like anything was really at stake. Really at stake was happening. It seemed like they took these regular characters and put them in a bigger setting, than then making the the characters credibly being in a bigger story. I think that was my biggest quibble with it, a qualm, was that all we've heard about is Kang and how Kang is this beginning of phase five. And we're setting up this whole new world where we're we've gone through we're going through time now and 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 multiverses and whatnot. And this was supposed to be the intro to that. And they went to the quantum realm. The quantum realm looked dope. And Kang was amazing. Jonathan Majors is like the star of the world right now. But it was still just 
them. It just it 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 didn't have that extra thing that made me feel like, oh wow, this is much bigger than what I'm used to. Um, and also, Jada Van Dyne is the stupidest character in MCU history. She is just a, she's she's a, she's a she's a blithering idiot. I and Patrick's gonna disagree with me here slightly, which is fine because it's it's good it's gonna be good content. Not that I disagree with his point, but movie tropes in general always have that one person who could have saved everybody didn't do it because of something stupid. That's not MCU trope. There's two major ones that people can think of that everybody talks about all the time. Other than that, you don't see that. Star-Lord losing this, losing this shit, causing Thanos to get out of, instead of with the taking off the gauntlet, causing Thanos to get it and destroy the world. And Cap holding the fact that Tony's parents, he knew who killed him. Other than that, that doesn't happen in the MCU. The fact that Janet just didn't say, oh, by the way, in the quantum realm, there's like a tyrant who could probably destroy all the time. Y'all might want to know that. Like, and you don't want to say it when you got out. Cool. The second the beacon came, that should have been the first thing out your mouth. Oh, yeah, we didn't worry about this dude. It wasn't until they met Bill Murray and Krylar that she was like, oh, yeah, this is a problem. It's just it's the stupidest thing, and it just made me want to pull my hair out. But I'll All right, so Ray clearly time. hated the movie. Everybody, you just heard it right there. Ray hates everything. Zero out of zero. Also, also, let me, uh, let me uh, once again point out that we, we often don't see what's really there with stuff that we like. Odin is a lying fucking tool that if he ever comes clean in not one, not two, but three Marvel movies, sure. we don't have, uh, probably don't have a Thanos problem, <laughs> to, to be honest. Uh, it's, it's a trope that carries a lot of films. I think that um, in in Marvel, like, it's it's there just, I mean, like, General Ross is a dick um, and keeps shit from people. Uh, there's just so many opportunities. And one of my favorite YouTube channels, by the way, is uh, uh, How It Should Have Ended. Because How It Should Have Ended basically does what you're describing there, like, has the characters not do the exact opposite of what they should do, and then it immediately goes to credits. So... Um, here's the thing about scope and scale that I think is very interesting. And I think this might be Kevin Feige's fault. Uh, and I, and I appreciate what you say about expectations. Uh, and then we're going to let Dave kind of give his overarching thoughts. Um, Kevin Feige didn't lie, but the way that he described what was going to happen isn't what I think people, I don't think they thought the same way he did Yes, because the decisions and the result of Ant-Man um and family to stop this Kang was shown in the end credit scene to have significant ramifications for the rest of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mm -hmm. And so when he says this is the most consequential you know film we've done you know and is very hyperbolic in what he describes that creates an expectation that this is going to end up in Earth 616. This has serious implications on Earth 616, and we'll talk about the, the post-credit scenes later, but it wasn't done in the way that we've seen in other Marvel films, and so it was a flip on expectations. Um, I was not particularly perturbed by, uh, by that. I actually um, thought it was like, I thought it was pretty good. So uh, I, but I also didn't come into it 
with uh, with the mindset that you described, Ray, I, I think I came into it with just kind of a different view. You know, it was it was huge in scale for the quantum realm. It wasn't necessarily it was a very contained story for that character that will result in larger implications for the MCU. But that scale is different than what we've seen in the past. Dave, your thoughts overall on the movie uh, and then we'll we'll get into some other nitty gritty stuff of just, you know, what whether it's what we liked or didn't like and stuff like that. Well, my thoughts on the movie are that like much of phase four, I would classify this in the good, but definitely not great category. Um, I would I would say it's better than Thor Love and Thunder. I'd put it on the same level as, say, Doctor Strange. In the can we hold up? Can we admit that? Can we as a group here admit that Thor Love and Thunder is not a good movie? It's not a good movie. It's not a bad movie, movie. but it's not a... It's It's not really that good. I liked it. I thought it was good. We talked about it. It's because Taika tried too hard to make it too funny, and it it really fucked the movie up. That's that's a movie that, upon rewatch, I I don't know that I'll ever watch it again. Rise of Skywalker status for you, man. It's Rise (laughs) of Skywalker. It's getting there. I'm I'm not the one to, 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 to ask that question, because I hate everything about the Kenneth Branagh Thor. The only reason I care about Thor in any form or fashion is because of Taika. So, like, I really enjoyed the movie. I, what, I enjoyed Love and Taika's, Thunder. I, I enjoyed it's not Ragnarok, Ragnarok, but I enjoyed Love and Thunder. Right. Yeah. But I think the point I'm it, trying it, to. It was too much. Yes, it was too much of the, the quirkiness and jokes, but it still was a very good movie to and, me. And I'm the sorry. Po- the point I'm trying to make with this one is, is it suffers from the same sort of malaise, I guess, as far as a lot of the phase four movies that. These are good, but they're just not great. And you talk about expectations, and yes, our expectations are too high for anything MCU related. And if it doesn't come in like a Wakanda Forever or No Way Home, which were two notable exceptions in Phase Four, then it's just like, okay, well, th- this is good, but it's it's not great. Tony mentioned issues with acting. I'd go far so far as to agree with him, and I would blame that directly on dialogue. Some of the dialogue on this movie really was not strong. Go ahead, PC. When they first when they first go down to the, the the quantum you know universe when they land in there going through the whole wormhole and 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 get separated the the back and forth between um uh, <laughs> Michelle Pfeiffer and uh the wasp and and Kirk Douglas that is horrible and uh, so much so it, like if you when you get a chance to when it comes out on streaming like keep a mental note and watch that like the conversation about how they're so upset and then she gets mad and then all of a sudden everything's fine again. And the way they talk to each other was so bad that I literally out loud, I go, that was horrible. Those people acted horribly and I can't believe it. You no, know, like and, it was, I blame just that surprising. they're good actors, but I blame that on dialogue and, and what they were being forced to say like, this sounds like shit. Um, Cassie wasn't the strongest of characters. I don't think I had some issues with her. Kang's fantastic. Jonathan Majors is fantastic. I loved everything that they were doing about that. You guys talk about scope. It's like Kang to me kind of felt too big for this sort of a movie. And and I thought it kind of like it, it seemed to water that character down a little bit. I, I mean, exiling this time traveling, you know, tyrant to the quantum realm. Interesting concept, but okay um so i i liked the movie i thought it was good i just it does it didn't wow me that's for sure i had some problems so with the acting let me, as well. let me ask this question about kang because i keep hearing this like kang getting watered down why do we feel kang was watered down because we wanted thanos because that is unfair 
and I think that's a comparison that's happening right now, critically, is that I think that there's a Jonathan Majors is great, um, but there's like this, there's like this concept, and, and and this was something I talked about with Ray. I think that this film did a poor job of doing for Kang what Avengers Infinity War did for Thanos, because Infinity War is a movie about Thanos. And Quantumania, to me, felt like a movie that was supposed to be about Kang, but really only dipped their toe into it and, and sort of half half did it, but half didn't do it. And I think that hurt the overall sort of piece of the film with him. You can already see, though, that he's going to be the focal point again in Loki, right? And then he's going to be the the big bad again in whatever movie comes next. He's going to be related. So I think they just don't want to give you too much of a dosage. I mean, he was completely a big part of this movie. And I, it's, right. just a, it's just a kind of a coincidence that this is how it goes. And I think well, the biggest thing was Paul Rudd, Ant-Man at the end, worrying about did he do the right thing or not. And that's the whole premise of what we're going to be dealing with now. Well, and he knows he didn't like he figures out he didn't do the right thing. He's just telling himself that it's going to be fine, which I think let, is funny. Let me touch on the idea of Kang being watered down because he's not. If people are saying that they're just being ridiculously. They're just just being out of just completely flippant for no reason. But I will say that there is legitimate criticism about Kang's usage in this movie. And from this one point, we us four here, we should call the show Ben Ragnar's for a reason. We've read the source material. We have an idea. We follow all of the rumors and innuendo and all of this. We understand where phase five is going. Ending in the Kang dynasty. That He is the big bad of this phase. We get that. We understand that, right? But just on the level, if you're just watching this movie, completely disconnected from anything else MCU, no, no post-credit scenes or nothing, Kang lost. Well, and credit to, uh, credit to our good friend Aesop Mitchell, who put this out in the Deadpool a Kang lost. No, you're, you're, so you're right. But again, that's us knowing that the actual character Kang is one of thousands. Well, but they show you that in, in the post-credit scenes too. Like, in, but, in, but I just if said, you're if telling you don't me watch if, the post-credit scenes, you wouldn't know that. Who? Okay, who does that anymore? You're missing my point, film, though. You're, right? you're not hearing my point. I my am point missing your point. I don't about, understand your point. Ignore Marvel fans. I'm just talking about a movie in general from start credit to the end credit, just as a written script, a movie in general, right. Kang loses. If you only sure. watch the movie, if you only watch the movie, forget the fact that you're a fan or you follow this or you're a Marvel person who knows, stay for the post. Forget all that. Just if it's on television. So, hold on, Ray, I got to disagree with you. Let me finish real fast. Okay, because you're wrong. Uh, but go ahead. No, if, it's just, if it's just on TV, ignore everything else that comes with being a Marvel fan, if it's just a just general movie that happens to be on that my grandma would have watched, the bad guy loses in the end. And so, I I don't I'm not with these, these comparisons to Thanos. That's stupid to me. I'm not with that. But what I'm saying is, my expectations were, Kang's not gonna lose in the end. They're gonna escape. Kang lost. And so I can understand why someone would say, well, that's not what I thought was going to happen. Sure. Now, I know that it's not Kang that lost. It is a Kang. 
but that's not what the expectations that were brought to me so ended up happening. I I think it is one. I think that after twenty plus movies, you can no longer call any moviegoer who goes to see a Marvel film somebody who is ignorant as to what to expect in terms okay. of the viewing experience and leaving. Hold so, on, one quick hold question. On. No, one no, quick no, question. no, 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 no. You, you ever got to seen talk. A person, have you ever seen a person walk out and in a Marvel movie before the credit scenes? Have you never seen it before? I did yesterday. It, that's I did my last point. night. Please finish. Please finish. So, that's my point. It's so, not everybody. But I think so, they were dining and so dashing. Let me, around, so let me so. get this so let me get let me get this straight, Ray. So you're gonna this is this is a false equivalency argument in, in logic. It's a logical fallacy to use the one or two exceptions of somebody who leaves when we know everybody knows everything that is put out there. The first thing that comes out in terms of articles regarding a movie from Marvel when it hits is making sense of the post-credit scenes. What does it all mean? Everybody who goes to these movies, and I'm willing to bet even the people that left early know that there's more to see. So with that premise, sure, maybe you thought that was the Kang, but Marvel showed you that there's more to it. Marvel told you during the movie there was more to it. Like, they established repeatedly that time isn't this thing that is what we think it is. That there's only one of him. He talks about the number of times he stopped himself in, in the movie. So, like, before we get to the end credit scene. So, it is established that there are multiple Kangs out there. And then they show you just how multiple it is in the post credit scene. So oh, while I right, sort yeah. of get where you're going, I completely disagree with it. I completely you're, disagree with it. You're a thousand percent right. Finish this, I, know. I know the other people got the other people got a I don't, don't want to take all the time. Quick no, retort. yeah, you do. I understand how this works. <laughs> quick quick retort. Number one, I am not, nor am I intimating that people, even people who don't aren't Marvel fans, are gonna think that uh, this is just the what I'm saying is if you have to if you if you're looking at the script of a movie or the structure of a movie and to make what happened in the movie make sense, you got to watch the post credit scenes. And that's a shitty script to me. I don't think you need to. I don't think that it makes the movie make sense. I think it but, opens the door to the real problem. I it agree. Is, I'm I'm with you, but you're not hearing what I'm saying. Or maybe I'm not saying. No, I'm hearing. What, I'm, I'm hearing what I'm you saying. saying. I just don't disagree with you in this sense. The post credit scene. Tony's checking his text. We gotta. We the gotta. The post credit scene explains to the viewer, informed or not, that there's a much bigger problem happening, and that the one guy that went away and lost at the end is just the tip of the iceberg to an uh, iceberg but, the size of which nobody could ever have imagined. I'm saying. That that is a bad movie structure to then, have. Then you are then you are crushing basically every Marvel movie since the Avengers, dude. No, I'm like the no. end of the Avengers. Loki wasn't the only problem. It was Thanos that gets reviewed, I revealed, agree, and then it's this next talk, guy. But 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 you just basically what you just said. No, I'm not. You're not hearing me. Thanos being revealed. I, I, the I don't Thanos think you're hearing being, yourself. But okay, Thanos. Being revealed at the end of Avengers doesn't affect what happened in Avengers. If you never those guys, saw Thanos at the end, those guys that you see in the post-credit scene didn't affect what happened in no, Quantumania. Thanos is the one who provided Loki with the Shataran army. So I get that, but we we what we could have found that out in other movies. What I'm saying is, 
if you, I'll just shut up, man. Forget it. Fuck it, dog. What? Don't get mad. No, but it's like you're not even trying to listen to me, bro. I'm like, trying to listen to you. I just disagree with you vehemently. I think I that you're you. I, I got you. vehemently disagree with you. That doesn't mean I'm not listening to you. I just don't agree with I you. Did, I did but, want to throw something Dave, out to you guys that as the movie's going along, you know, and this has nothing to do with the post credit scenes, but there's there's language that is being used in this movie that tells me that Secret Wars is going to be a bigger deal than we may have anticipated. They're talking about incursions. They're talking about worlds being, you know, which is Beyonder stuff. Pat knows this. This is where the Beyonder mm-hmm. comes in. This is where Dr. Doom comes in. So I think to say it's a foregone conclusion that just because we have a movie called Kang Dynasty that he is the big bad may be presumptuous on our part. They may be bringing in Dr. Doom. They may be bringing in the Beyonder. Secret Wars could be a much bigger deal than we anticipated. When I heard that stuff, and they're talking about the same stuff where worlds are being destroyed. These incursions are happening. One world lives, the other one dies. Janet Van Dyne, she's talking about that whole storyline. And we know that Marvel takes a lot of liberties with storylines that they take what they want, and then they go in a different direction. But they're saying stuff that is to me, jiving with that story arc much more than I anticipated. And, you know, we got to also remember, this is the first movie of Phase 5. This is the introduction of Kang. So what we think right now, when we come back here in a year and talk about the other movies that have come out in Phase 5, we're going to be like, damn, you know, I really didn't see that coming because Marvel's great at that. Maybe. I will. Here's the other thing about the introduction of Kang. And I'm going to compare it to Thanos because Thanos was the previous big bad. Kang, or not Kang, Thanos was shown to us as moviegoers briefly, tangentially from Avengers on in a way that he, like, like, that they didn't do with Kang. Like, Kang, we have made him the bad guy. Like, the closest you came to the bad guy with Thanos before Infinity War was Guardians of the Galaxy. The, like, the original Guardians of the Galaxy. And even then... He's just a figure on a throne telling Ronan the Accuser to to do his bidding. Like that's kind of that's kind of it. And I do think that that introduction was very useful for fans being ready for this guy in a way that they weren't quite as ready because the only touch point we've had with Kang was a was a monolith in the TVA in Loki, right? Because the he who remains isn't isn't the Kang that we expect. And then we see the, the monoliths and the statues at the TVA. So I don't I don't know. I do I do think that the launch of Kang and Jonathan Majors was phenomenal in the character and just the the casual way with which he wields his power throughout that like it's just he lifts a finger like and that's it. This lifts a finger and he's throwing Cassie around. That was such a great difference from kind of the 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 war torn general that we've seen out of Thanos. Uh, and I like the subtlety of it all. Um, Tony, you've been quiet for a little bit. Dave, I'm sorry. You know, you've been you've been quiet for a little bit. Um, other thoughts, things you want to point out before we talk post credit scene. Um, other than we were so wrong that Janet Van Dyne didn't die. I I went out of my way on the way home to to find a Baskin Robbins. Um, that was good. <laughs> That's good. I you know I've never really been a big fan of of the Ant Man movies. I I think I've 
seen the first one and a little bit of 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 everything else but i really enjoyed it i i mean paul rudd i thought was really good the, the relationship with him and the daughter i thought that that was excellent i think that's a pretty big introduction as well is that like ant girl now or something stature. or what stature her name is stature Whatever. i'm calling her <laughs> with it. no no her name is stature She's she's going to take a lot more joy out of getting large than she will getting small, uh, moving forward. So, um, yeah, I don't I don't know what to make of her yet. I mean, I I think she was all right. Uh, I don't know if that's my own bias because it's a recasting. You know what I mean? Like we didn't get to see what the other person could do with the character. Like Marvel went in a different direction for whatever reason, and and it is what it is. Uh, and so that may just be me, kind of. I don't know, being negative Nancy on it, but like she was all right. She was pretty when good. Is... Go ahead. No, go ahead, Ray. I do appreciate that they gave her her own character traits. Right. I, I appreciate that, that she's just not like the protesting. And... Yeah, yeah. Like that's her own thing. That's very different from Scott and hope. Um, What's really that you can think of her on her own as. And as we think about larger implications, really, what is this going to do to her as a character when the next iterations of Kang show up? Like, because she kind of blames herself at the end of at the end of this movie as we're heading into the climax. Like, I did this. This is my fault. Uh, and so it's you know it's an it's an interesting domino to think about and how that impacts her as a character. And you know, it, what what's her role going to be with the Young Avengers? Like, is she going to be a young Avenger? Like, how is she going to want? Is she going to feel responsibility for that team because she brought on a problem in her own mind? I don't know. It's interesting to think about. Do we just have Guardians between now and Loki? Miss, the two? Marvels. Yeah, yeah the Marvels, Marvels got delayed too. a little bit, but um, and Secret Invasion for a TV show that's coming out. Let like, me. In a month or so. We haven't mentioned one thing, and I want to throw this out there, and I don't want me. I don't want to be overly negative, but. Modoc was awful, my opinion. Oh, I, thought well, I, was, I, I was thoroughly fine with what they did with Modoc with a character as ridiculous as with a character as ridiculous as Modoc. Oh, they leaned into it. I, I, yes, I hated absolutely. it. I absolutely. hated it. Everybody around me hated it. It just like no. Why? Why? What did you want out of Modoc? A dumb you wanted, character. You know what? Like, not not Derek. Not dude. Yellow Jacket. That's for damn sure. That I didn't want. Well, Listen, I'll tell you what. Aesop that's, didn't. That's like not it on either. your playlist. Aesop didn't like it either, but Dan, Aesop, myself, and Dan's brother, who's just as big a nerd as you two and Dan, all laughed at everything he did. While I, I mean, I was sitting there. It was funny. It was funny. At least he got to. At least he got to die in Avenger, Dave. Never well, too late. And, and stop. And, being and a as dip. bad as the dialogue is, can we all agree that the best line of the movie is, "It's never too late to stop being a dick." It's like right. you, you, It's never it's too. It, there's never a wrong time to rock. Yes. It's never too late to stop being a dick. Yes. And you know, I, I think one is not George Charlton. So like, however, he, him being funny didn't bother me. But also, I think, and maybe this is just being in the bubble too much, but the Patton Oswald Modoc show has really just ruined Modoc forever. Modoc's always going to be funny from now on, though just the way I see it. He was always smart, but he was never, but he was dangerous at least, but like, if you've seen that Patton Oswalt show, the stop motion with Modoc, like there's no coming back from that. One last thing. Right. Bill Murray seemed like an important character. There's all this stuff going on. Then he's just gone. That was a letdown. I thought it was, it, it was, it felt like well, stun casting fault. a little bit. That's Janice. Right. Um, I have needs. 
Apparently, so, see, so did Hank. See, Secret, Inva- <laughs> Secret Invasion just says it's coming out in spring 2023. It's it's very vague. Um, we haven't got a release date, but with Mandalorian coming out March 1st, I would say probably after that run, so maybe late and, April, early and May. And we know it's we know it's What's almost that? ready because they, they've given us trailers. Secret so Invasion. we know it's we know it's almost ready, if not already yeah. ready. It's Loki's June 9th. With Guardians is May, isn't it? Right. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. We'll we'll have to wait and see. Speaking but, of um, that, that the post credit scene with Loki, him talking yep. to Mobius. Mobius yep. knows him from this point. Because remember right. at the end of at the end of right. Loki first season, the timeline right. changed him and, and they didn't know they didn't know who he was. I wonder what yeah, I'm assuming said. I'm assuming that's literally out of an episode of the next season. You know what I mean? Like, I wonder if that's just like that. We got a clip of of the next episode of or uh, of an episode of Loki season two uh, with with another connection again to a Kang um, as we see. Um, oh, God, something timely. Victor Timely is, is his name uh, and what looks like the early 1900s. So if I do recall the time being post. So. Let's talk about the uh, we've we've kind of danced around the first post credit scene. Uh, we get three very significant Kangs that show up uh, at the end of uh, at the end of this movie in this post credit scene that are variants uh, and kind of see that there is a, a bigger goal involved. And so the three Kangs that show up are Ramatut. Ramatut is a variant of Kang that goes back in time to ancient Egypt uh, to to begin his contact uh, conquest. We get Amortis, uh, which is is a very significant cam in the Centurion. Uh, they're all variant and alternate versions of. Does everybody know? Anybody know? Nathaniel Richards, who oh, is. Oh, I thought you were about to say Kang. Yeah, yeah, Reed Richards. Related to. Reed Richards. So we have another Fantastic Four connection going on here as well as Nathaniel Richards is, I think, as uh, I heard, I think I heard Ray say, like the great great grandson or great grandson of Reed Richards. Century. Yeah. Yes. So however long. So this is this is a big big thing, and these three Kangs seem to be the ones pulling the strings. And have called a meeting as they learn that the 616 inhabitants have started to touch the multiverse in ways they didn't ex- in, in ways that were unexpected. And this, to me, is another mirroring of the original Avengers film, uh, and then was also argued in, in a sense by uh, Vision in Captain America: Civil War, where as Earth 616 takes a leap forward. You know, they're not the only, you know, powers in the cosmos, mm-hmm. thus eliciting a response. Here again, the, the this Earth has now touched the multiverse and is now eliciting a response. And we get Jonathan Majors doing all kinds of shit as we see all the Kangs being gathered. Like, random, like, karate, kung fu shit. At one point, like it was just, it was some bonkers stuff um, to see there. Uh, Dave, what did you think of this um, this post credit scenes? And then we got to move on to the the trailer park, guys. I'm really sorry. No, but, uh, I agree. We gotta, we'll go around we and we'll got, talk about the post. We don't want to be here for three on. hours. Greg will not be happy about that. But, uh, uh, Dave, 
Yeah, we'll Who get gives there. a shit what Greg thinks. Yeah, I know. It's, he just had a birthday this week. Now he thinks he's entitled to all this shit. Um, <laughs> I just think like you know all these Kangs out there. Um, it, it does it does start to you know you look at the Ant Man movies previously have been have been very whimsical and very comical. You know, not to the level of like you know Love and Thunder sort of thing, but uh, the, this this movie and this post credit takes on a definite darker tone for the MCU at this point in time. You've got you you could see we're going in a, in a in a different direction right now that uh, is maybe not be not be what people are associated with with Ant Man and, and that sort of thing. So you know to see these three Kangs who are so tied into like you you know Fantastic Four lore and and just where we're going with this thing it does it does felt like a shift in focus a little bit here in Phase Five to kind of like we're go we're focusing on a a definite trajectory that that may be a little bit darker and more serious than some people are used to with the MCU. So that's kind of what I got out of it. Um, I mean, I'm in for the ride, you know, that sort of thing. I, Kang's one of my favorites. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how this all, how this all plays out. Yeah. And we'll see Ray, any, uh, any additional thoughts uh, before I do one last take? Yeah. Just, just that. I think it's one of the most menacing and most terrifying post-credit scenes and, and, and scenes you could probably see in, MCU history, just the idea that if you watched the movie and saw how dangerous one king was, and then to see twenty thousand variants of this dude, all hype because they know shit about to go down and they're ready to fight, it's pretty terrifying. And it was it, it was it was the right tone to end on. It was it was the right the, tone there, to leave the movie. With. It is it is a very hopeless sort of feeling, right? As as an audience goer, like holy shit, how are they going to stop these three? that are that are controlling them all so while we were while we were talking about this i did jump on rotten tomatoes tony do you have any thoughts sorry you're laughing at me yeah let's not forget that darren died in avenger he did die in avenger and not uh, and not a we dick totally anymore agree. tony not a dick anymore he welcome was not the, a dick welcome to the club buddy <laughs> so here 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 was my last thing that i want that i wanted to talk about because we we mentioned this at the top of the segment that Critics have blasted this movie. Like it's got a 48% on Rotten Tomatoes. Audience reviews are on the other side of things. They have it at an 84% fresh, which mm-hmm. means that moviegoers are enjoying the movie thoroughly, which I, you know, I've I've fought against this for a really long time in, in sort of my thinking. There, I do think critically, there is a fatigue that's real with if not the superhero genre at the very least marvel and that critics i think mentally were kind of done with endgame and these people don't like like are are looking for something that's just not there uh whatever their expectations of these films because i was sitting there reading it and like the general consensus is while it has some good moments and Kang is great, you know, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania lacks the like whimsy or fun of the other ones. I'm like, that's not the movie they made. So like, if that's the critical response, you went in, you like, you went in not watching the movie that was put in front of you. You had a movie in your head that you thought was going to be the movie and it wasn't the movie. And this got me thinking if, if this is, if this is an MCU trend Whatever. If this is a comic book movie trend, 
I'm really worried for James Gunn and, and Saffron because they're they're introducing or they they're rebooting a universe, a, a DC universe, kind of a, a soft in between reboot. And if they are facing negative Nancy Town with an audience that's already struggled with fully embracing DC outputs previously, this could be really hard for them, regardless of the quality of flick. Right. We're That's gonna, my theory. We're going to talk DC in a minute here. And, and I think right. DC's got some different issues that they're going to have to face as we go forward. But in addition, I, yeah, this, in addition, this is in addition to but, I don't know, Pat, do you feel like to me, this is like a critical response to you've got, you know, we've seen various high powered directors who have been critical of these MCU, these comic book movies and the penetration that they've been getting amongst like, you know, the Academy and that sort of thing. And, and now they're saying this isn't real content. This isn't content that's worthy to be designated as no. something noteworthy. And now these critics are like, you know what? Maybe they're right. And we have been too easy on these guys. I mean, I can't, I can't get into the heads of, of a critic to be like, oh, Martin Scorsese hates Marvel films because X, Y, and Z, maybe he's right. What I can say is that when you read a review, I'll, I'll, I'll use uh, – everybody knows I love io9 as a site. Even when it comes to breaking down trailers, uh, depending on who is reviewing that trailer or movie, that that person is predisposed in, a, in almost in a certain direction when you read it. And it's not to say that bias doesn't exist. Like it does, it's always existed. Um, but like I was watching this, I was reading this article that somebody broke down in the guardians of the galaxy volume three trailer and every single breakdown point that they made of the trailer was negative, was just shitting on the trailer from the word go. And then the person's like, well, I hate, like I hate comic book movies anyway, or I'm tired of comic book movies. Then why are you the one who's assigned for a website to do that review? I really feel like cr critics, like the, the critics that are being like really, really tough and negative on this. And um, I think they're tired of comic book movies. Like, I think they're tired of Marvel movies. But and it doesn't that, matter because they're not the ones spending the money. So as long as you got 84% no, no. approval from audiences that are going and spending the money, that's sure. all Gunn and Saffron should worry about because Easily, Ant Man's going to be Gun number one this week and probably in that next brand, week. PC. No, Gun but that's all they should be working in that brand. No, no, no. But my point. No, 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 no. That's that the point I'm making. The point I'm making is they shouldn't care about what the critics say. They should worry about the audience scores and whether or not they can be number one at the box office. Because one of the big reasons The Rock that thing was a last second swing at the you know for a home run and a miss is because it sucked in the box office. And my point here is is that part of the reason why these movies struggle. And, and yes, uh, black Adam is not a good movie in my opinion. Um, like uh, we disagree on a lot of things today, so that's fine. Um, but there's not that swell of audience support in the same way there <laughs> is for DC as there is for Marvel. Say. It is very much. So I've not like outside of Batman films, which seem to, which seem to be bulletproof audience reviews, even, of Zack Snyder's Snyderverse nuts, notwithstanding DJ, um, they're, they're mixed. So there's already trepidation from the audience. One of the things like, this is where I think that critic reviews make a difference. I don't think critic reviews make a difference for Marvel right now because Marvel can literally crank out turd with a cape and it is probably going to make 
$700 million by itself. Turd on a cape, saved the day, and defeated Dr. Doom. $700 million. DC, because there's an audience hesitancy. What do you got? They actually are. Do you know? They they actually are going to pay attention to what critics are saying about a film. They pay attention to those instant reaction Twitter reviews that aren't actually reviews. It's just somebody in the moment spouting off of, you know, a few characters to talk about whether a movie's good right, or bad. But the reason why Marvel makes all the money is because the people who don't care about the reviews actually get interested in the things like that. And so they but, need that audience, that audience appeal and the people that are going, people didn't go that to the audience appeal. Was they built, built, they're 15 honey. years of like, goodwill, 15 years that's of right, goodwill. Yes. That's it's, why it happened. They earned, like, he has none and of if that. You go back and if you go back when Iron Man, when this all started with Iron Man, mm-hmm. critics loved Iron Man. And fans who were maybe like Iron Man, who the fuck is Iron Man? Mm-hmm. But you had Robert that, Downey Jr. That, people were going to see that movie. Robert Downey Jr. was but, nobody when that movie came out. What? He was he was a reclamation project. I won't say he was a nobody, but I will say he was a reclamation project. Oh, you know project. what I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm sorry. I yeah. didn't mean to be so... But it, it, you know right. what I mean. But, but my point here is, is that that was a risk. Everybody acknowledges that Iron Man was a risk. And, and then, and you even saw it, because it, you know, people forget Hulk was not really that strongly like that was the next movie and it was not strongly like hugged. It wasn't. Um, it was a Captain it, it America was, movie. Neither was Thor. Like yeah, the first those Thor first, was those first Avengers films, thing. like they, you know, and I I don't hate them. Um, I like them quite a bit. But so is it, it even was, though the first few fil- films were bad and not critically acclaimed, the fans still they liked were, them. But they, they were supported by critics. You just you just disregarded everything I talked about. Talking about what you just said. I just heard I was listening right. to what you said and I talked about it. They didn't perform quite as well, but they were critically well received. But here's What's the other that? thing is that everybody knew when those movies came out, we all knew that they were moving towards Avengers. So we kind of were like right. Iron Man was like, okay, this is surprisingly good. Hulk's okay. Thor's okay. Cap- First Captain America, I thought, was an excellent movie. So I think like people were like, we know they're going in the Avengers, and I want to see, can they pull... And you got a trailer for the Avengers at well, sure. Captain America. Right, and and you were like, you know, the Avengers were so beloved. Justice League was nowhere on the radar at this point in time. You're talking two groups, Justice League and Avengers. People so, wanted to get behind Dave it. gets last say. Dave gets last say. We got to move on, guys. Shit set in. Because people know what they're about to get. They know they want to get something, make something like Marvel did. When Marvel started, they didn't have that cushion. They didn't. We didn't know they were going to do something this big. All, all I'll say is DC is hard to figure out because you're saying they need a critical hit. They had a critical hit with Wonder Woman, and then they couldn't follow up with that. And, and Marvel was able to build upon a couple of critical hits. They pulled off this big, huge superhero get-together, which we saw fail fantastically with spider-man 3 and they pulled it off with avengers so it's like we're going to talk about dc's got different issues that they have to overcome we we have to end this conversation no more talk everybody's fought i'm right you're all wrong and we've all accepted that and we'll move on um we're gonna i'm gonna go ahead i'm gonna call an audible here i'm gonna take our our first commercial break uh i'm gonna just quickly Pump out the uh, if you like listening to us fight and me be right all the time and you want to continue to support me being right on the bandwagon nerds all of the time, then head over to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot and invest in 
a chair shot shirt. I'm wearing one today because I care about the brand. I'm wearing the Bandwagon Nerds shirt. Tony's wearing an Iron Man shirt that was not available at ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot. Ray is wearing a Marvel shirt that was not available at ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot. I got a, you star, know it is I got a Star Wars shirt, but that's not available either. Also, not available at ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot. What is available at ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot are a plethora of t-shirt options for you from various programs. And yes, you could get your very own bandwagon nerd shirt these shirts run around 20 bucks a pop however if you're feeling fancy want something that feels nice on your giblets spend a few dollars more get it soft style there's all kinds of colors and looks and all sorts of wonderful things you can invest in and we appreciate you investing in us and helping us get our names out we can't do this without your support and we really really want you to continue to give it to us and we hope that the content that we're producing you meets your expectations Unlike, apparently, uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania met critics' expectations. ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot. When we come back, we're going to go to the trailer park and then dive right into part one of that 70s project. Yes, it's still happening. We're not going to fight about movies all day, everyone. That's still happening. And we'll get our first half of the list when we come back on Bandwagon Nerds, part of the ChairShot Radio Network here on TheChairShot.com. This is your boy, Kenny Killer, telling you to make sure you check out TheChairShot.com, bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out, TheChairShot.com. All right, welcome back to Bandwagon Nerds. Everybody's taken a moment. We've kind of cleansed ourselves. We've, we've simmered down a little bit. I've simmered. Oh, no, Ray's still fired you know, up. Ray's still, he's, he's all mad. Now you all mad. Um, we are going, I promise, that 70s project is happening today, everybody. But is it, Super Bowl, it is happening because I can't wait to criticize your list. Like, I, I can't wait to be like, really, Ray? Uh, but before we do that, Super Bowl Sunday has come and gone. And that is always a bit like everybody talks about, you know, there's, there's always those people who are like, well, I only watch for the commercials. Well, we kind of do that, too, but we do it for the trailers. And a bunch of trailers dropped. We have a jammed, packed trailer park. We have five to talk about. Ray Cash has a hand up. Yes, sir. I have a quick question. I have a quick answer. If you, if you, if you talked about it last week, then you have my blessing and I will apologize. But you don't have the most important trailer of the entire past week on this list. Vince Corsese. Fast X. No, no, we're not talking about Fast X. Well, then uh, my time here has ended. I will see y'all next week. All right. I'm joking. I'm joking. No, we did. Time. We did. We did talk a little bit. We talked about Fast X somewhere in the last couple of weeks. I know we have. But uh, I, I don't know. I saw that trailer in front of Ant-Man, The Lost Quantum Mania, and I was like, this is why I can't watch it. Like, it's funny because I'm about to talk about how much I like John Wick, and it's just as ridiculous as Fast X. And yet, for some reason, that one works better for me. But before we talk about any of these trailers, Dave, I need you to pull out the banjo before Ray does it. Put it down. Put it down. Put I didn't down. even pick it up. I didn't even pick it up. You you were reaching. All okay. right. No. Tony, you're 
you're not Steve Martin, and if you're not Steve Martin, then you can just get the hell out. All right, uh, David Ungar, please play that beautiful banjo. So, in the interest of time, we we do need to limit our excitement on our last two trailers that we are going to talk about today. Uh, the first three, I don't think, are going to take nearly as long. I am going to alter the order of the trailers. I don't know if you guys had a chance to, to watch them. I sent out the rundown late, so hopefully you did. Um, but I'm going to flip-flop the first two because I'm actually more excited about the second or the first trailer that I have on this list than I am about the first one. But I'm really excited about all five of these trailers. Uh, the first one is yet another reason to invest in Apple TV, which has put out a lot of content that I am very, very interested in and have been watching and catching up on. They are they are kind of picking up steam in a way that I didn't ex- expect. Uh, but they put out a trailer for a movie starring Taron Edgerton based on Tetris, the video game that would accompany the original release of the Game Boy and the work that Nintendo America made to get the rights to Tetris to be the game that got released with a Game Boy. Now, I'm pretty sure this movie's taken some artistic licenses with the intrigue involved. I don't know that his life was necessarily as in danger as it's implied, uh, but given that this was in the late 80s, and relationships between the United States and Russia have never been strong. Uh, I do think it's an interesting story because that game was the game for a couple of years. Everybody played it. Everybody like try, you know, brag to each other about how far along they can get. And everybody had their own piece of classical Russian music that they chose from the three options to listen to while playing. I personally chose the very fast. I don't even know the name of the song anymore. But... No, 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 that wasn't that one. They it should was, add uh, Gun- they should Gun- Gunther's Gun- theme on there. You know that—that's what they need. <laughs> Maybe, but this—I—I'm I, very interested in this because this show, this game was like it sucked up so much of my time as as an, a 10, 11, 12 year old. Uh, both the Game Boy version because I owned a Game Boy. I got one around release time. And the Nintendo version, which, like, I played that game, my brother played that game, my mom played that game, loved it. Tetris, for its simplicity, was just kind of brilliant. Ray, I'm going to go to you first. What do you think of the Tetris trailer? I love Tetris. Tetris may be my favorite game I've ever played. I, too, while I am a bit younger, I, too, had, maybe from because of my cousin, but I had an original Game Boy. I had the clear one, the see-through Game Boy. And yes, Tetris, I, man, I love it. So just the idea of seeing the, the truth behind how it happened, you know, growing up, you don't realize, but yeah, those are Russian buildings. You don't realize as a kid that this is a Russian game, right? Um, Taron Edgerton is, is, is one of our best actors. 
you know, he's, I think Duke's fantastic. He's not out. He's not everything. He's not out the part. And the intrigue is really, really good of seeing how this happened. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm here for it. And like you said, Apple TV Plus right now is they're they're batting 400. So shout out to them. Yeah, I think it, it's really exciting for for this streaming service, and and I, I like some of the output that we're getting. Tony, thoughts on the Tetris trailer and the game? I I, I renewed my Apple. Uh, Plus t- uh, subscriptions, so you know, good for good for me there. I, I'm looking forward to it. Who knew the KGB had the rights to the Tetris all along? So we'll find out how we got that finagled away. But I didn't play a lot of Tetris. I played Tetris. It's it's a really pr- kind of boring game. Um, but it, it shows the importance of releasing a video game console or medium in which to play video games. Right? Like it was very important to Game Boy that Tetris be that games be successful because game boy didn't necessarily could have been very unsuccessful with a with a shittier game put in put in with it ray what's your problem right now all right hold up everybody everybody hold up let me just do this let me get this out of the way for everybody because this is what's going on wrong here. wrong 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 oh my god here wrong, comes the square wrong Look wrong it. wrong it fits in the square you're wrong and you're wrong one, you're wrong anyway that's we get it. Over there. T- it's like, like Boban Barjanovic doing fucking uh, play-by-play on basketball. He dribbles. Oh, he dribbles again. Now he dribbles fast. Oh, the piece drops. The piece drops again. Oh, now Dave, it drops fast. Dave, Dave, take over. I'm about to mute Tony as he shits all over Tetris, one of the greatest games of our generation. But that's movie all. looks great. You, movie looks great. Yeah, you already know. I told I told you in the in the uh, in the chat that. Um, Tetris wasn't one of my favorite games. I appreciated it. I, I mean, I liked it. It, it just wasn't because, like I told you, I was more into sports games and more into RPGs at this point in, in time, and and that sort of thing. I I could appreciate what Tetris was. I liked it. It just wasn't one of my favorites. That being said, I do agree with Tony that it was an important game for the Game Boy to get the sales of that, and it was the perfect complement to that sort of handheld console and what the Game Boy could do. I mean that. Literally, it was like fitting into place with that game on that system at that point in time. So, how many family road trips do you think that saved mom and dad's peace of mind too? Because all the kids that they played it for like hours on oh, end, right? Im- immeasurable, I- immeasurable amounts of of, of cross country long term road trips where you just silence the kids with this shit. the The movie looks fantastic. It looks like it's really going to be. I, I mean, you know. Any these you look at things like we're talking about trailers about about interesting concepts. You know, here's a an old school video game, and it's as much about the Game Boy as it is about Tetris, probably. And and shout out to Nintendo Switch; they just got Game Boy and Game Boy Advance games on the online Switch. Fine, a fucking Lee, Jesus. You know, now I can play Minish Cap again. I'm thrilled about that. But this movie looks really, really good, and I I, I would I've got Apple Plus, so I'll be checking that out as well. All right. Well, speaking of movies, I'm really, really excited to see and that I didn't expect to be excited to see our next trailer, which did air during the Super Bowl about the creation of arguably the greatest athletic shoe ever, like at least one of the most sought after athletic shoes ever air starring Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, uh, amongst others. I think was it Viola Davis? Is Viola Davis? Viola's the mama. Yeah. Uh, Michael, Michael Jordan's mama. mom. Yeah. Tucker, uh, Jason Bateman. The story of the Air Jordan shoe, um, and how that 
basically made Nike what it is today um, in terms of brand. Uh, I don't know. Again, this this is definitely a movie that speaks to like my youth. I don't know a kid on my block who didn't want a pair of Jordans. And if they didn't want a pair of Jordans, they were jealous of the kid who had a pair of Jordans. So you could talk about any other athlete out there in the world. The fact that there is still a Jordan shoe that comes out every year that people flock to buy. Like, yeah, is Tony Mouth at least one? Like, that shoe is synonymous with Nike as is the greatest shoe ever made and sold. So I'm all about learning about this story. Again, fictionalized or not, I'm excited as hell to check this one out at the theater. Tony, go. This made Nike. This they were nothing. Absolutely, they had basketball and it's, running shoes. If you if you watched Winning Time on HBO with John C. Riley, you took exactly what I was gonna say. Yes, you get you get part of that story with it. But man, it's just it's awesome. I mean, there's shows now like what Complex has their YouTube show or something. I believe it is. Shoe where shopping, they, yeah. They Couple take, of them do. Yeah, and the, everybody buys Jordans. Everybody buys every different thing from from Mike Tyson to the Young Bucks to movie stars to chefs to kids to old people i mean it's you can you can show up to a black tie event with jordans on nowadays and you don't even get looked at sideways you go man that guy's got the best fucking shoes on in the goddamn room see see that's the thing about jordans as a shoe before jordans shoes were just something you wore because you had to jordan you we talk about this thing shoe culture it didn't exist before jordans Shoe culture exists because of Jordans. Jordans have become a cultural thing, right? That it's not, like you said, I'm, most of the people I'm, that I've been to that have got married got Jordans on because it's the, it's a cultural thing. And I don't mean black culture. I just mean culture in general. Status like, thing, too. Right. And one, another thing, too, because these damn shoes are so expensive. And I got about probably four or five sitting there in my house right now. You know, and I'm not a shoe person, but that's that's all I buy. Um the fact that Phil Knight became a multi-billion dollar uh, heir or person, million dollar, billion dollar heir off of this shoes. And more importantly, the fact that Nike is one of the few true conglomerates in this world and Jordan shoes so big, they're their own entity. They're owned by Ike, but as a new subsidiary now. That shows you the power of Jordan. And yeah, the movie's going to be good too. Dave, get in there. Yeah, I just, I mean, it's it's remarkable to me that uh, you're got you're making a movie about sneakers. Granted, the most recognizable sneaker in the history of humanity, but it's still like, wow, we're really going to do a whole movie about this. But like Tony's saying, you know, with the winning time thing, it's a fascinating story about how this shoe A came to be and B what it turned into after it did come into being, and and that, yeah, I I mean, I'm I'm as interested as anybody to see how this whole how this all all came to be. Michael uh, Jordan is world, the owner. Man. Michael Jordan is the primary owner of the Charlotte Hornets. That's not from basketball money. I mean, it's it's a shoe that didn't just take over basketball and and bring Nike up to where it is and is responsible for that. It's taken over every other sport. And, and it's and it and then it's Apple reached Pools. out to entertainment and everything else, culture, status, approval. It they're just things that are looked positively upon. Absolutely. Can't agree. I can't agree more. So terrific, terrific movie. And it sounds like the bandwagon will be in on it when it drops. 
Films. All right, we are moving on to PC Tony's favorite actor, Keanu Reeves, as we got a new trailer for John Wick Chapter 4. Here's what I know. Kung Keanu Fu? Reeves is going to fight. There's oh. going to be some Kung Fu. Keanu Reeves is going to kick a lot of ass. He's going to get his ass kicked a little bit. There's going to be explosions. There's going to be some hackneyed story about him being excommunicato and having to make it all right. Uh, and I'm going to be there for every bloody, violent, ridiculously stunt-soaked minute of it. I'm in. That's all I'm going to say about it. Dave, we know Tony's not going to see it. Um, you hate I'll, Keanu Reeves, dude. It's okay. I'll just tell you this, you though. It. It, it does what I said needs to be done when doing a movie series, though. It It's the people that go to see it largely approve of it and they spend enough money to where it it's up there on the top of the movie or or streaming charts wherever it goes so somebody's paying and somebody likes it hey tony that's me tony i know kung fu but i know that's not the right movie oh that's it's the same I, oh. right, it's the right actor though but and, he oh, no. does, oh, no. and it's clearly john the, wick knows kung fu so um by yeah. the end of the show i'll be the one knowing kung fu yeah. just so you know um i'm with you pat i'm all in i've been in oh the it was first, you I've been in for the first three and I definitely want to see what happens. And, you know, Winston's got to get what's coming to him. I think so. Absolutely. Ray cash. I think I mentioned this to y'all before, but I've never seen any of the John wicks, John. I, I'm not a big action person for the sake of action. And yes, I get there's a story, but like, however, Tony's they killed, they point. killed his dog. I, I love it. I love, I love Ray. I'm not an action person. Still, what is the topic of that seventies project? Action shows. Perfect, Ray. Well, Tony will tell you, I didn't want to do the list this week. So uh, you, you didn't have to do the list this week. I'll take it a step forward. As soon as you stop whistling. Uh, the guy what? who just the guy who just gave a shit for not talking about fast X doesn't like action movies. Okay. Fast, the Fast okay. and Furious movies are not action movies. They are about family. They're cinema, right, Ray? That has Stop. happened. Oh. Cinema. That happens. They to could have make the family. They could make a family list. Yeah, I would. Have, I would agree with that. <sighs> All right, I quit. March is just a busy baby. month, man. I, I'll tell let's you. Let's just talk about. Let's 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 do this and talk about the Flash. Vince Forte. Y'all's hypocrisy is just can I ask, all the way can, through. And can I fine. ask the question? Can I ask the question to start this this one? Do you mind? Yep. We all saw the trailer because it was a part of Ant Man, right? You guys all saw the trailer when you went to the movie, right? Yeah. Uh, no, it actually wasn't playing in front of mine. Yeah, not for me either. It no? did in front of mine. It was the first trailer for mine, but I, but we all saw it in the Super Bowl. We all saw it too. anyway. Yeah. Right. Does, it piss, does it piss you off because it looks really because it pisses me off because to me it looks really fucking good i'm and surprised gonna, that and it's not gonna matter it's just I'm gonna su- be something that ended up long run of shit hopefully i'm surprised you were shocked that it was gonna look good in the first place well i mean we just wanted to we wanted to hate ezra miller you know for so long and now we understand why this movie's coming out is because it's important and it and it looks fucking good I'll say this. It looks much better than I expected it to look. I knew it would be good and, and, and make talking points. It looks a lot better than I expected it to. I'll give you that. Go ahead, Dave, before before I kind of give my uh, my quick thoughts on this. The trailer does look good. I'll give you that much. Um, 
there are some issues like reading. I read a screen rant kind of had some really cool thoughts about it that I tend to agree with that the trailer looks good, but it's a flash movie and the flash isn't the most important character. And you could clearly tell that from the trailer and the audience reaction. It's all about Batman, you know, and, and you know, there, Michael Keaton, Ben Affleck, there are people are more interested in that. They do some things, right. It's clearly we're going in flashpoint. Uh, the reaction to Supergirl being there instead of Clark seems to be very favorable. That's a good sign. You know, DC needs more heroines um, to get involved. So I, I do. I agree with you, Tony. It, look, it looks good, but Supergirl also lends itself to the connection from the CW sure. as well. Absolutely. It, it does look good and it looks like it'll be obviously more involved than the Flash's Flashpoint was, which is like one episode sort of thing. But um, but like you're saying, What's it matter? I mean, if this really is a reset, then, you know, they're kind of going to have to play loose with this whole thing. But I agree. It looks better than I thought it would. That's for sure. I'm not surprised that the trailer looks good. I think we forget because I think maybe not we, but I think um, some folks forget before we kind of knew who Ezra Miller was, like with all the stuff that's sort of surrounding him. Uh, one of the things that was largely agreed upon out of the Justice League, the Zack Snyder Justice League film, was that Ezra Miller was terrific as as Barry Allen. So that part doesn't really surprise me. I'm conflicted about this movie because of my feelings about the actor. Uh, I'm going to see it. Like, I'm going to see it because it doesn't look like it doesn't look like a bad movie. I don't know. Um, I don't know that I'm as excited as some folks are about Michael Keaton Batman being back. Like, which is interesting because I'm a big nostalgia guy, and yet at the same time, I was like, "Oh, that's kind of cool." Um, I was actually we... kind of like, "What's that?" Sorry, no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I actually was like more like, "Oh, look, there's Ben Affleck." Well, that, that's perfect because I was like, "Do you think they're saving anybody else?" Well, I think I mean, the trick Christian is Christian Bale may be in there. Who knows? I think the trick is if you guys have read or seen any the Flash, any of the Flashpoint iterations, not particularly the one of CW because they're stuck with what they could do, but specifically the the, the animated DCU DCEU one. Yeah, I've seen I, I don't think I don't think um, um, Keaton is Bruce. I think that's Thomas. Maybe. Because Flashpoint and Flashpoint, Thomas Wayne is a big part of Flashpoint. So then with that being said, I think we might get Martha as the Joker in that movie as a quick little. Why did you say that? The big. (laughs) While we're there. But are we going to get are we going to get Wonder Woman and Aquaman getting it on and starting World War Three, Ray? Is that is that? Well, that's what I we 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 were still we were still in the Snyder list. I was hoping that we would get that. In the Flash movie, but we're, we're not there anymore. Long, we're going long anyway. How did you guys like Seth Rollins as the Joker? I I wasn't expecting Joaquin Phoenix. I was expecting the scene from Dark Knight when they were in the cell. But it worked out. It worked out. Patrick's For me. All right. Priceless. Last but not least, we did get our uh, full Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 trailer online. You got 30 seconds of it at the Super Bowl, which is the new thing, by the way. 30 seconds of a Super Bowl clip and then see it online and blah, blah, blah. All of these, I think, were like that. Um, somebody's going to die. I think the Deadpool is going to be much more uh, fruitful 
for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume yeah. 3. <laughs> yeah. um, as we sit there and watch this, and I'm like, well, what's going to happen to Quill? What's going to happen to I think Drax? What's going to happen Rock, to Rocket? Rocket? Yeah. What's, you know, it's, uh, I, I, I don't know. I didn't know. I liked this trailer because I didn't really know what to make of this trailer. Clearly, there's a lot going on. We don't really know what's going on with the high evolutionary. I love that we're going to get like a true Rocket Raccoon backstory. Um, don't like the joke. Like, people laughed at it in the moment, but I don't love the whole um, joke about Star Lord and Nebula. Like, I know it's a one off, but at the same time, I'm like, no, nah, come on. No, stop it. He's, he's, he's worked so hard as a character to not be a man baby to like do a man baby joke. Just, I, it didn't work for me. That's a that's a a nitpick and a half. I know, uh, but overall, this is this is kind of funny because it's a movie I'm going to see anyway. Um, but I felt good about this movie. Uh, I, I like that we saw more high evolutionary. Uh, I think that was really important to this trailer. This is the last trailer I do believe uh, before before we get to the movie. So. Uh, who has not, Dave? You have not gone first, so you're gonna you're gonna finish this up, and then we're gonna jump into jump into that '70s project. Wouldn't it be ironic if nobody dies in Quantumania, but in Guardians, everybody dies? Because I think literally every character is probably on, it, it's a possibility. I mean, Nebula's carrying Star Lord near the end of the trailer. Does that mean he's gone? I don't know. I, I think I, I'm here for it. I think it's going to be an excellent movie. Adam Warlock's in there. Um, it's going to be the culmination of this Guardians franchise as we know it. So I'm I'm excited. I'm trepidatious. You know, you don't want to see your favorites die, that sort of thing. And and I think there's a, a real risk for multiple multiple deaths in Guardians three. So trailer looks good. Movie looks good. I'm here for it. Free cash. I love when. Uh movies or entertainment systems or things like that can fool me when I think I know almost everything. And I feel so stupid not putting two and two together that the high evolutionary was probably the guy who created rocket and seeing it in the trailer was like, wow, that was right there. It should have hit me. So like, I'm excited about that because uh chick Woody Awuji is a fantastic actor to begin with, but playing that role should be really cool. Cause that's a really Different, but kind of cool role to play. Um, also, I love the Star Lord joke because the beauty of Star Lord is he's he's a he's a horrifically flawed, flawed person, and the reason he's loved is because he's always trying to move past his flaws. Can't move. You can't be loved if you finally move past them. So that was just a reminder, like, oh yeah, he's still a piece of shit, but he's trying. And funny. <laughs> Fair enough, Tony. Like I said, I had the privilege to not only see the Flash movie, but this preview uh, as well uh, in 3D yesterday. So definitely on the radar 3D-wise. I feel like Guardians is kind of like that fun uncle part of the MCU that like can do no wrong. They kind of can get serious and then get really jokey and then still go out and win battles that are ultra important, you know, but always ultra popular. Like Guardians might be one of the most like fan approved out of the entire you know mcu to me so yeah i think uh star lord's gonna be 
the interesting thing that I think is a conversation we should have another time, because I know even if we had the time, we shouldn't do it now, is they, everybody, all five of the OG, uh, of the OG uh, cast, including that, all six, I guess, and even James Gunn have said, this is the last iteration of this version of the Guardians. I'd be curious right. to see what that means and what the future would hold. So. Yeah, well, and I think that's the thing is, yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy, like, has always had a rotating lineup, much like the Avengers. Like, there's mm-hmm. there's been different people who are part of it. It's no different than the X-Men. Uh, it's not like the Fantastic Four, which even the Fantastic Four has had different lineups at different it's times. It's funny so. you mentioned that because two of the most notable people in the comics from are uh, X-Men and, and uh, Fantastic Four member, Ben Grimm and uh, Kitty right. Pryde. Because so. I think I think Adam Warlock will be a member of the Guardians by the time this is all said and done. Because uh, ultimately, Adam Warlock is a hero. He is not a villain. Uh, now, his alter ego is a hot mess and very yeah. dangerous, and you should watch out for him. But he himself is is a, is a hero, not a villain. Adam, so Adam Warlock very, could be very important in the battle against Kang. I, they're all important in the battle. It's Kang, right? like, this is real. This is he, he's going to need everybody, all hands on be- on deck. Anyway, all right, guys, we're going to head out of the trailer park. Let's finally thank you, everyone, who has waited patiently for this. We are finally going to get ourselves to that 70s project. We're doing action shows this week. Ray Cash didn't even want to make a list, and that's okay. Ray, I want you to know, man, you don't have to to make a list, man. You don't. It's no, okay. I do. I'm you don't have to be on the team. show. And and all the well, oh damn, okay. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, like, I can I can find somebody else. Like, no, so I'm a number one. And I'm that's a not even player. a threat. No, I get no, it. No, yeah, I'm a team player. Only reason I say that is because it, I completely forgot about the list until you sent the text message late last oh, night. Fair enough. So it's like, I, yeah, it's, you know, but I, 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 I uh, yeah, I, I think that um, this, this project is always the toughest, except for, you know, for everyone, except for Dave and Aesop um, well, in terms of like what you physically actually watch and seen in real time. Well, or, but none or, of that, like Aesop's just a junkie. The movies are so much easier because you're going to have right. seen at least 10 to 15 classic movies in each right. genre from the seventies, right? If that carries forward, TV's a little bit different. But that's not the problem for me. The problem was just time. Look at what's gone on over the past few weeks. We had the football playoffs. We had the Super Bowl. All the trade stuff, basketball. I have three jobs. It's just so much happened. And then we took a break in the middle because uh, Patrick had his issue with having to take off the two weeks. So it it just completely was in the back forethought of my mind. And then I was like, oh, I got to get something to tell you by 9 o'clock this morning. There you go. All right. Well, we won't we won't waste a ton of time then about this. Everybody by now knows the rules. We have once again given Tony our list ahead of time, and he has taken the liberty of prepping everything for folks so that we don't have to do the weird thumbs up, thumbs down. He's going to have it ready to go. Today's rotation is Ray Cash, followed by PC Tony, followed by David Ungar, and I am last. Um, so get that written down. It was supposed to be Aesop. Aesop's not here. So I will bring up the proverbial rear. And the good news is as both our number 10 selections and our number one selections, we all get to talk about every other, every other round. 
somebody's getting skipped. <laughs> so we'll start. Ray, the music's going to play, and then you can talk about your show as Tony gives us your number 10. SWAT baby. Um, if you have if you've, if you've had a chance to see the new show with uh Smart Moore or the movie with Jeremy Renner, get well soon, big dog, and um Colin Farrell and uh Sam Jackson, just the idea of SWAT as a television show and idea is just amazing. But it all stems from this show back in the 70s. Um I've seen some of the episodes, but the idea I'm I'm born 88, so understand. But the idea of the show. I love fantastically and uh it did quite well in the 70s so let's go swat swat excellent choice first of our cop shows to be dropped probably so not our last. no yes. god no god no god no in fact tell you, is it about family Just imagine a New Mexico deputy marshal dropped into one of the busiest precincts in New York City. I'm talking about McLeod. I mean, <laughs> you could literally watch this guy ride a horse up and down the streets of New York while taking care of crime, jumping onto helicopters. Uh, he did it all in the in the early to mid 70s, and uh, a lot of people watched him do it. Dennis Weaver, by the way. Very, very nice. We are two for two on cop shows. Will David Ungar make it three? Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Yeah, I know Patrick thinks it's Star Trek, but it's the animated series of Star Trek, which was securely mm -hmm. in the 70s, not the Star Trek show that ended. They, it was between after what Roddenberry's run had ended and between the, that and the movies, they had animated adventures. Of 73 Star Trek. to 75. Yeah, yeah. And it, I mean, and it was it was I, I always liked these shows. I didn't put it in family because I didn't I always kind of like looked at it a little bit differently, but they were always kind of like a good a filler for me as far as like the Star Trek, you know, I was the, the show came before, you know, it was, I was too young, but they were cartoons and they were the Star Trek characters. And this is kind of my first introduction to Star Trek. And, and I always loved the uh, animated adventures were always really cool to me. So number 10. I love that you guys think I threw my headphones because I thought it was the sixties Star Trek series. And not oh, the fact yeah. that you Yes. Yeah. And not because you picked one an animated series, which fine. Um, but if there's one, one thing that goes against the spirit of everything Gene Roddenberry did with Star Trek, it's calling Star Trek an action series that he absolutely was vehemently, even though there were brief moments of action, very much about the idea of space exploration and, and peaceful resolution to things. So whatever, Dave. Um, it's fine. There were phasers. I, I'll I'll give it to you. 
Well, we don't have a science fiction and fantasy category, so it's got to go somewhere. That's because there's really, it's not a robust enough category in the 70s. Let me tell you something, Other than whether or not something, other than whether or not something happens at race number two, this will be the most drama we'll have today. Fair enough. All right. I thought we were skipping race number two. I I, I don't know. He's yet to make up his mind, apparently. All right. Somebody make up their mind. Make a damn decision. the suspense. Because my chart was, I wrote this chart out based on your chart, and now I'm, I'm freaking out. But anyway, it's time for my number 10. So let's go ahead and hit that. <laughs> I'm sorry, I got thrown off because you're freaking out. <laughs> <laughs> Continuing with our run of police shows, I chose Adam 12, takes place on the streets of Los Angeles, Officer Pete Malloy, an officer on the verge of retirement who is brought on, who is taking on a partner by the name of Jim Reed to train him, played by Kent McCord. This show ran from 1968 to 1975, uh, and it almost, I like it, was between this and SWAT. And I definitely erred on the side if somebody else was going to pick SWAT. This show was all about police car chases. Like that was that was the great thing, and that's that's a theme for a few of my shows. This was all about chases. Like this was a procedural show in kind of name only, uh, in the sense that yes, there were crimes to take away. But this is all about chasing down the criminals, arresting them. Uh, and usually with some sort of stunt show involving a police car in between. It is one of those shows that probably overstayed its welcome because by the time you got to its later seasons, it was like, we're going to go be guest cops in this other precinct over here, not our precinct. And, oh, we're going to – but the show itself was a lot of fun. And like I said, seven seasons, very strong run. Adam-12 was revived in 1990 as well. So – um Great show. That was my number 10. And we're going to skip my number nine and go right into Dave's number nine because somebody else has my number nine higher. I'm impressed you found the music PC. That's awesome. So years before he was showing up in Victoria Principal's shower and telling everybody that he just had a season of Dallas that really didn't count, Patrick Duffy was the man from Atlantis. And I mean, I this show was thanks, Tony. Sorry. (laughs) This show when we were kids, man, watching Patrick Duffy swim like a dolphin. Uh, was like something all of us kids mimicked, you know, when we were doing pools, we were, everybody was swimming that way, the web feet, the whole thing. The show was never as good as like, they had like four mini movies that kind of predated the show. Those were good. They emboldened the producers to say, Hey, maybe we can run with this thing for a series. Eh, Maybe not. It was okay. It was a little bit too kid friendly, which is why we all liked it. So looking back on it from an adult standpoint, it's like, Eh, I don't know, but I, it was always a lot of fun. Patrick Duffy was really good in, in the in this show, and I think it kind of led paved the way for him getting cast as Bobby Ewing in Dallas. So, yeah, man from Atlantis. He was the last survivor of Atlantis. He was Aquaman before Aquaman was cool again. I guess it's my number nine. Excellent. And with your number nine, 
We are now going to skip all the way to your number seven as, wait, did something switch? What about my number eight? You gave that, you told me that was a skip. Really? I'll go back. Maybe I, maybe I read it wrong. I could have sworn you told me that was a skip. Yeah. Number I eight, did. I have four X's. I lied. I lied. Well, let me tell you, Patrick, hopefully there will be more, more mistakes today, and that will mean I have only gotten one thing wrong out of 80 possible things after two shows doing this like this. But my number eight pick is the Mod Squad, uh, ran from 60. 68- there you go. Enjoy your flowers. It was it was, uh, it was critically acclaimed as like the first young, hip kind of, you know, uh, police squad that was, you know, making things happen. I, uh, just a really good show, really great theme. Um, and yeah, there you go. I'm yeah, sure straddled, straddled the sixties into the seventies. Uh, well, 60 one, to one, So you do the math. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I'm not wrong. You're not wrong on the math. I wasn't see, this is what happens when I hold you all to the rules. Y'all get defensive when I make a comment, y'all like, well, you know what I was going to say. You just assumed you knew what I was going to say. Well, anyway, all of that is to say that everybody else in round eight, after you fucked up, one um, of you guys, picks, one of these picks today actually very much straddles and comes down to episodes while in the seventies and not the eighties. It's fair. I know what you're talking about. It's <laughs> 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 because I follow the rules. Doesn't I follow the rules? Um, anyway, it's time for very close. Now to our number. Seven pick or seven around my number seven. So, Dave, I find it really interesting that in science fiction. You picked the animated Star Trek series, but you didn't pick Battlestar Galactica. This is my number eight. You did? Oh, it was your number eight. Okay. So you was I part demand of a retraction. Oh, go. It's part of that, it, us not revealing them, but we skip. Makes it harder. And it makes it part of the suspense. So, But it, uh, also, it also doesn't allow me to then, you know, smack Dave in the head when, you know, like I, I, had, to, I had to retract my... Now I have to, I like... I was wrong. Like, I have to admit that I was wrong. I'm sorry I was wrong. Wrong, wrong, I was wrong. wrong. Like, that was my fault. Wrong, 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 wrong. wrong. You're wrong. I was You're wrong. wrong. You're wrong. Anyway, the thing that I love about Battlestar, Battlestar Galactica is that it's it's this series that is quite bad. Um, like, it's cheesy uh, you know, it's made in 19, you know, first, the original run was 1978 to 1979. Uh, and yet it spawned a sequel series. It spawned books. It spawned comic books. It spawned a very successful sci-fi series later on that was, you know, far exceeded the original. Like, the show itself wasn't great, but, it, but the mythology that they created with Cylons was 
enduring and it really left a legacy on, on science fiction as we know it that I think, you know, at the time producers didn't think was was going to be possible. Like it's it's had games made based on it. It's had web series made based on it. And, and like I said, it's had it had two movies from from the sci-fi um, spinoff. So that was my number seven. Um, and, and it was Dave's number eight. So Dave, you, you have some comments as well. I'm just surprised doing the research for this, that it was only one season. I could have sworn it was longer than that, but it wasn't. And, nope. and everything you said is right. It, 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 and when you look at it in a vacuum from the seventies, I mean, I remember this being like appointment viewing in the seventies, even though it was only one season, everybody was tuning into this Cylons and that sort of thing. But yeah, it spawned a bunch of games. One of the most popular board games of all time, Battlestar Galactica based off the, 2004 series but okay still. so technically dave did not have Battlestar galactic on his list he had battle Gar- battle star galactic the, the board game, game the board game that's right that's right one. no of course um, he did yes <laughs> another board game that's for Patrick. right um no it's it was a cool series i mean you know there's a couple of they dabbled i think you know tv dabbled with sci-fi in, in the 70s and it was just kind of an emerging sort of thing you know i don't know if the other sci-fi series will show up on on anybody's list, but yeah, Battlestar Galactica was a really cool show, even though it was limited as fuck apparently. But it was it was cool. It lasted. Right, but it was weird. Like I said, it was it was interesting because it was like it ran that one season, but then it clearly they found legs. They it, it eventually found its way. So that was my number seven, Dave. Now to your number seven. Um, I know Pat, you had this on your drama. Kojak was on your dramas thing, so I don't know. Love you, baby. And yeah, it, to me, it's like that's why I was kind of quiet about it when you were chastising me. It's like, well, I just kind of like had it on my action list, so it's one of those ones that straddles the line. It's it's there's action, there's drama, there's all sorts of stuff. But yeah, I'm not going to elaborate on it because I know we're running long anyway. But Telly Savalas and the uh, lollipop and busting criminals and doing his thing. So yeah, Kojak. Number seven. For way, way before he was trying to pedal vacations at the Riviera. That's true. That's very I, one of the one of the highest watched series of of the seventies. So, you know any genre. Absolutely. All right. Excellent. So after Dave, we skip Ray and PC's number sevens, and we go right into Ray's number six. Nothing wrong with hearing that again. Nope. Hang in, bruh. Uh, right, so, you know, all right, Riddle. The, <laughs> right? This is the era of cop shows, correct? But the beauty of this era of cop shows is we're going to have a cop show with the cool dude, or a cop show with the dude that's angry, or a cop dude on California, or a cop show with in, in, in you know, in down south. And some to you said, why not have a cop show? On the ocean, and we have that Hawaii Five O. By the way, a lot of these shows that I love, what I love about it from my generation standpoint is the how the how long they've been in the lexicon of of entertainment. Hawaii Five O right now is rebooted out. If I had never been in the seventies and I wasn't, I I've heard of Hawaii Five O, 
in many different re- for many different reasons and ways. I remember an episode of Severed and Son where he was down in Hawaii having basically helped Hawaii Five O. So shout out to Hawaii Five O. Love the show. Love the idea. Ain't ten, bruh. Excellent. Excellent choice for number six. I think it made somebody's drama. Dave, did it make your drama list? Yeah, it was on my as drama. well, it was if on my I recall. List. Yep. Well, we got to skip you and PC and your number six selection, and we're going to go into my selection number six and then do a commercial break. So, Tony, hit it. <laughs> yes you know what there's Ponch and there's john and tony tony mentioned it this was a, a series that aired for three years in the 70s and three years in the 80s see i tried to follow your Chips. rules to a t and i left it off because of you pat god it, damn it. it 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 had more episodes air in the 70s than it did in the 80s so patrick is absolutely following his own rules. That is true. Just and like a family's a family. I would have had this on my list Stop instead it. of Star Trek for sure. Stop it. Stop it. You just get the fuck out of here with that shit. Uh, you know what you did. Anyway, Ponch and John, Ponch and John were cool, man. And they were on their bikes. And the, the, uh, like just riding around the highways of California doing their highway patrol. Um, Eric Estrada would like to interest you in a timeshare in Arkansas. He would, absolutely. Here's the thing. Uh, we've been talking about shows that got, like, reboots and brought back. And, I mean, there's been a shitty Chips movie. I'm surprised there hasn't been a, a bigger effort to make this a series again. Hey, now, that uh, Chips movie introduced everybody to eating ass. So, let's it's the new standard. <laughs> oh, yeah. That no, was the first let's, let's stick. Let's yeah, stay like away eating, from that part of the chips. Eating Raul <laughs> wasn't before that, right? But, um, yeah, Francis, Ponch, Poncharello, Jonathan, Andrew, Baker, and you had Sergeant Joe. It was, uh, I, it was, they, these guys were just cool. They were just fucking cool on their motorcycles, fighting criminals on the streets, on the highways of California, catch it in syndication everywhere, or, you know, watch it streaming. I bet it's on like Peacock or something. Seems like the sort of show that would be on Peacock. On the cock, absolutely. I will say, as somebody who lives out in California, I have yet to meet a CHP officer as cool as Ponch or John or any of them. Hell yeah. Matter. All right. Well, that actually is going to do it for our um, our first five. Uh, real quick. Oh, oh, damn it. It's only available to rent or buy on fucking amazon week's chips chips that's disappointing i thought it was on mbc no it was an mgm so show so i don't know but it's not on peacock at least according tony and i can react tony and i can react chips for you for a a nominal fee yeah instead of motorcycles we'll have banjos no thank you um it's not the same you don't have neither of you have eric estrada's flowing you know, beautiful hair. Um, give me, give me, give me six months it and let me on, my hair and I got chips. You. Chips aired on NBC. I guarantee you it's on the cock. 
I swear to God, it, it, either that or this search engine is wrong because it is not. You, just, you take commercial break and I'll go to the cock, okay? Yeah, hey, I'm going to go. We chip, are, we're going to chip off the cock. Is that what you're saying, Tony? You, Tony, you got to go right. jump on the cock real fast? Anyway, we're going to stop Already this conversation. It. I'm about to Already mute you all. It. We're going to go to our commercial break. When we come back, we will run, run down our numbers five through one of the best action t- television programs of the 1970s. You are listening to That Is Not Chips. Um, you are listening to Bandwagon Nerds on the ChairShot Radio Network, part of the ChairShot.com. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. All right, welcome back, everyone. Tony, did you have a chance to check Peacock? Yeah, it's not on there. You were you were right. Thank Pat. you. No, that's what you yeah. were waiting for. I was. <laughs> there is I will tell you, you this: watch, if, you can watch Night Court, though. You can watch Night Court. Both versions of Night Court. Um, Realgood.com is r e e l good.com is an awesome search engine that aggregates all streaming services and you can put in any movie television show or whatever and it'll tell you all the different ways you can stream that show it's i love it it's a really useful tool um but we are going to jump into our number five through ones of uh, action programs of the 70s i'm supposed to go first but unfortunately somebody else has it higher on their list so we're going to skip to dave and his number five Quite the visual story being told, actually. Yeah, it's not as iconic as the uh, beginning of the other show that spun this one off. But Jamie Summers, Bionic Woman, man, that uh, a, a spinoff from something we will be talking about very soon. Um, and she's uh, Bionics, the Bionic Woman. And she had her own adventures. She had and, and her own adventures were, I wouldn't say equally as good, but they were all fun. They were good adventures. There was different stories. I, I liked Jamie as a, a you know one of these heroines from the seventies and yeah it was it was right up there as far as like shows that I was watching all the time in the seventies so the Bionic Woman my number five yeah I had this at number I think nine on my list uh, so not I and I'm fully aware with both it and the show that it spun off of that would be higher on Dave's list just because if anybody has listened to this program and listened to Dave talk about these shows, these were much more of a bigger deal uh, to Dave and and everything. I would argue Bionic Woman might have been cooler than the character she spun off of, even though the other show was more popular. Dave can disagree, whatever. I will vehemently disagree on that one. It's fine. Anyway, uh, Tunny and Ray, we're going to skip your number fives. Ray, we're going to skip your number four and go to PC Tunny's number four as it's next up. My number four is The Amazing Spider-Man TV film that uh, spawned you know, 12 more episodes, Nicholas Hammond as the amazing Spider-Man. 
it's funny because you know it takes place in new york but it was widely filmed in la so that's one strike um it's completely hokey and hilarious but it's an action spider-man it's the first live action spider-man tv series ever uh aired on cbs from i believe what what is it here let me look uh 77 to 79 so yeah the amazing spider-man with nicholas hammond she man the goggles on the spider-man mask are something special uh what there's so much so i I mean we're going to talk about other marvel 70s shows later on in this program i'm sure Uh, i'm looking at them right now nobody had the captain america or doctor strange things in there the doc the captain america one is something special with with the motorcycle helmet the giant motor oh so bad um Oh, it was such an interesting time for Marvel television programming. Uh, but I I appreciate you putting my boy Spidey on there, even in his 1970s version. Um, if you want to see something truly bonkers, there's a uh, there's a Japanese Spider-Man television show out there that's kind of nuts and has like um, Power Ranger style giant robots involved. It's it's impressive. Go check it out. All right. Uh, we're skipping Dave's number four. We're skipping my number four, and we're going to my number three, which I do believe is also Ray's number three, if I am correct. I think from now on, as I bring the music down, I'll just throw these stats out there. Dave had it four. I had it seven. There you go. That is a nice way to put it. Starsky and Hutch. I talked about Adam 12 being all about the chases. Fucking Adam 12 got nothing on Starsky and Hutch. Because Starsky and Hutch wasn't just about the chases. It was about the car. It was about the Torino and how cool that car was with two streetwise cops and their informant chasing criminals all over your ABC airwaves. Like, just awesome. And and nobody cared about what drug dealer they were running down. Nobody cared as they were driving through the streets of New York. Um, it was irrelevant. It was or all sorry, about, it California. Was about, it was about the car, like you're saying. It was, it was, it was yeah, sorry. Car. One of them was from Brooklyn. Um, they weren't. T- it didn't take place in Brooklyn. Um, yeah, but nobody cared. It was about the car. It was about the car. And then at, at some point, they had to go talk to Huggy Bear. That Huggy was always the show. Like, always Bear, one of the coolest characters to ever be on television. In fact, you want to know why I know about Starsky and Hutch other than just hearing the name? When they did the movie. And Snoop Dogg was like, this is the role I was born to play. And I was like, oh, well, <laughs> well if Snoop's hook Huggy Bear, I need to be paying attention. Huggy Bear, bro. And, yeah, just And cool, for those right? of you who want to check this out, it's on uh, Amazon Prime, part of a Prime video subscription. All four seasons. This went from 1975 to 1979. Uh, and yeah, I love this because I got, I got the Wikipedia page up because I don't like to forget b- details. I love their description of Huggy Bear. The detective's main confidential informant was the streetwise, ethically ambiguous, jive-talking Huggy Bear, played by Antonio Fargas, dressed in a flashy manner. He was a pimp. Come on, pimp. people. Yeah. And, and operated his own bar. So, great, great show. 
all about the chases. Tony, you got anything to add about Starsky and Hutch? I mean, if you if we sat down after the end of this and didn't do a show about it, but maybe a, maybe a column about it, and we put down just our most iconic TV shows of the '70s, this has a real chance at making the top ten. Yeah, it'd top be up five, there. I'd argue. Yeah, top five. I'd argue. Yeah. Now, so, all right. the real the real question here is Ray. Um, did you make the switch? Did you not make the switch? Is it my, is it my, is the time for that? No. It, it would be We're at number two. Uh, it would be the, your number two. Is your number two not available to put on here because it's someone so, else's number one, or is your number two something else that you originally had thought? My real number two was the Dukes of Hazard. Oh, uh, Dave, would you like to? Yeah, we talked about that earlier today. That I was like very upset that this show was a. <laughs> 1980s show and not a 70s show, even though it it's began in the 70s. But I mean, if hey, yeah, all I'll say, all I will say, I mean, all I will say, uh, Tony, all I will say 85, is that that's 80s. You're right. If there's a oh, car, oh, it looks like Dave and Ray got themselves in a heap of trouble. No, I I didn't have it on my list. But I will say, if there's a car as iconic as the Torino, it's the General Lee. But it doesn't count. We, and we can talk so, about that in the 80s project. So, so I'm we'll not even going to gonna play them. I'm not even going to play the music, so that means but, but, Ray's number two that, is somebody else's just, number one. I just want to say, Patrick, you see how you have indoctrinated this young man into your bidding. Where he texted Ooh, me? me this morning, like, bro, Patrick, Patrick's going to be mad if you don't tell us you changed it. <laughs> Patrick's going to be mad. I'm not going to say that when I got the original list and rundown, there was an emoji that may have had a facial expression I might have made when it got to your number two. I'm not going to say that happened. Ray, I just uh, try, Patrick, Ray, Dave, I just try to make the show go smoother a little bit here. No, they, they, Ray's just, you know, Ray, Ray's trying to but, share things that are meaningful. And he's he's just trying to keep the peace. Leading that music. Just, just understand what being a Southerner from Texas, from Houston, what the Dukes of Hazard and Boss Hog and Snoop Dogg is and called and the in, Boss and Hog in, Outlaws. And so. in February 2024, you get to talk all about that. It'll be really awesome. One year from now. That's Man, called a tease, folks. Stick with us. Like you will is this our once-in-a-lifetime moment? You're teasing shit a it's year in It's PC Tunney's number two. That's what this we got. Is, this PC is Tunney's my Cena and Rock moment. Once-in-a-lifetime, bro. Oh, uh, this was this was five on Ray's list. This was three on Dave's list, and it was four on Pod's list. I'll just I'll just say this and let you guys talk about it. Um, Linda Carter, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let me Every, everybody's this, first crush. Y'all are going to talk about this way more from a place of knowledge than I am. I don't know shit about the show. I don't know it's Linda Carter. And all I can say is the, the show could have literally been the most garbage show ever in history. But Linda Carter, bro. But it wasn't a it garbage wasn't, show. That's the no, that's a good, good thing about it. It, it. And we've talked about it before, is that her performance on this show was so iconic that it scared the shit out of anybody thinking about making a, Mar- a Wonder Woman movie for 20 years before they would even say, we got to get the right person. All right. You know, they we everybody was clamoring for a Wonder Woman movie for so long. But this show put her on such a pedestal that people were like, I don't know if we can do this. Yeah, you, every every young adolescent straight boy in the seventies 
and probably a few gay ones too. Probably loved them some Linda Carter. Um, just not in the what same about, way. Well, girls as well. There are probably plenty of girls who love them some Linda Carter. She do that twirl and get into that outfit. And my goodness, it was it was on. So Lasso me, Lasso yeah, me. I'll please. tell you the yeah, I'll, I'll, tell, you, I'll tell you the truth. I'll tell you the truth. Yes, Jinx, you owe me Dr Pepper. Oh, uh, never mind, because that uh, would ruin the show. It would. She still looks um, great, man. She still looks great to this She's day. she looks amazing. It's so funny because I it you'd see her in other stuff and, and eventually it'd instantly go to to Wonder Woman. Like when she showed up in Super Troopers, I was still like, hey, Wonder Woman. Is Wonder, Wonder Woman. Is Linda Carter the Sophia Loren of the comic book television movie universe? Sure. I think you could argue that. More I think so that's a that's a fair if- assessment. If they do go forward with one more Wonder Woman movie, will she be the big bad? Because the story was at the end. Yeah, I well, I don't know. Patty Jenkins is not connected to the project. So. Yeah, 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 it's kind of kind of gross right there. Um, no, excellent number two, um, and uh, I, I don't think there's any argument. That brings us to our number ones, which everybody gets to talk about a number one. That's exciting. Yeah, it keeps happening actually. Dr. David Banner, physician, scientist, searching for a way to tap into the hidden strengths that all humans have. Then an accidental overdose of gamma radiation alters his body chemistry. And now when David Banner grows angry or outraged, a startling metamorphosis occurs. The creature is driven by rage. Uh... Ray's now number two, uh, my number three, and Dave's number two as well. So probably the highest rated show out of everything we've done today. And this is your number one, Pat? This is my number one, yes. And I I actually agonized. I actually agonized over my number two and my number one. And so, um, you know, I didn't know my number two is somebody else's number one. But I, I really went back and forth on these. But at the end of the day... This it's so interesting that a show could do so could be so like I don't want to say magical is like the wrong way to describe it, but if you want to talk about a perfect marriage of casting with both Bill Bixby as David Banner because we're afraid Bruce was gay, um, it's the story that's they changed his name because Bruce was like. They were worried that it was too effeminate and gay, so they named him David Bruce Banner, which Bruce was just Wayne? Bruce stupid. Wayne. Anyone? Anyway, go ahead. The, uh, but apparently, Bruce Banner was was considered gay. Bruce, I don't Bruce know. Wasn't Bruce in the seventies? You what? I don't. I'm Bruce not an Jenner? executive. Oh, wait. I didn't. I didn't have anything. Stop. All Whoa. right. Anyway, but Bill Bixby and Lou Ferrigno, perfect marriage casting. As, as both the Hulk and, and as David Banner. Um, Dave, when he does the post-credit tags, outside of playing random music that I'm not quite sure I've heard of or haven't heard of, he also likes to put quotes from the number ones or spoken things. Dave, I'm telling you right now, I don't care what else you do with the show. If the last thing I hear is not the lonely man walking music from The Incredible Hulk before we fade to commercial, you're fired. It's the best in credit music of all time, period. David Banner walking alone on the street, 
to the lonely piano. That is far and away. I, I, I prefer it to the to the opening oh, yeah. track. I will like, put it beautiful. on there. We've had that on here before, but this one for this exactly. one we will repeat it. Sure. And here's the other thing that's been paid tribute to in so many. It was paid tribute in Family Guy with fucking Stewie alone on the road with the lonely piano. It's it's almost as memorable as whatever happens in the episode. Led to tons of spinoffs, Marvel connections. Like there was an episode with Thor. There was an episode, really cheesy looking Thor. There was an episode with Doctor Strange. All kinds of great stuff. Uh, Incredible Hulk, the first truly successful live action Marvel show. A uh, tremendous show. I, I mean, I, sorry, Tony, I don't mean to cut. I mean, if you, it's just he, he's asking if we want to play it now. Uh, I wanted to play us out. So regardless of whether or not you play it now, I wanted to play the show. I'll out play too. it out, Tony. Don't worry about it. But no, the Hulk was um, like you're saying, Pat, the perfect marriage of casting between, you, you know, if you look at, but even by modern standards, you look at the modern Hulk with Mark Ruffalo and, and the CGI Hulk, of course, man, Bill Bixby matches up very favorably versus Mark Ruffalo in every possible way, as far as David Bruce Banner, whatever the hell you want to call him. Um, but yeah, before CGI even existed, Lou Ferrigno was a believable, incredible Hulk, just a monster of a man. So, yeah, fantastic show. Other thoughts about the Hulk before we move into Dave's number one. It's iconic. Again, it's one of those series that would be considered for a top 10, you know, as far as iconicness goes. You, you remember you remember that story. You remember that TV show. That was one of the more impressionable shows. Speaking of iconic, Tony, why don't you go ahead and play this? Oh, boy. Steve Austin, astronaut, a man barely alive. Gentlemen, we can rebuild him. We have the technology. We have the capability to make the world's first bionic man. Steve Austin will be that man. Hell yeah, he will. Give me a hell yeah. <laughs> Wait a bionic the, redneck himself. Bionic redneck. Yeah. Um, I almost put the glass shatter in front of that. I think we, we did this somewhere when we did a project earlier about the best superhero TV shows. Of all. This is my number one, regardless of decade. So yeah, Six Million Dollar Man was it for me. That was the biggest show. This was, this was the show that turned me into a, a nerd for life. Um, and I mean... The episodes were so great. The stuff with the with the android where his face gets ripped off and he's got the, you know, in the 70s, he's got all the mechanical stuff behind him. Andre the Giant was in this show playing Bigfoot. You know, you got the introduction of the bionic woman. The death probe was in there. Um, so many great episodes. And, and yeah, Lee Majors was the man before Stone Cold Steve Austin was Steve Austin. Lee Majors was Steve Austin. So I can't say enough about it. It's just my absolute, still to this day, favorite show that... I've ever seen on TV every now and then. And it's, you know, you hear the, the cliche that history repeats itself and it's very true in many ways, but entertainment every now and then you have an idea that seems really cool in the past, but you're like, yeah, but that won't really be nothing. And then you look at 2000s on and Iron Man and Cyborg and the Power Rangers and all of these mecha esque heroes and then you go back to the old steve austin back in the 70s and you're like well wait a minute we knew this was going to happen and even as i know it's the 70s so i'm not trying to diss the graphics but even as 
70s-esque as the graphics and the the cyborginess of it was. Man, he was still a dope character, and it was a dope show, and it was a dope idea. Think, think we about, can rebuild him. Think about this, though. I mean, like, in the 70s, he could run faster than anybody could. So how did they show that effect? They slowed him down, which was kind no, of no, like... No, 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 no. And they had that iconic sound effect. So it's like they were clever back then as to how Very. we've got we've got this character who's much stronger, bigger, better, faster. How do we portray this? I mean, the jumping and the lifting and stuff, one thing. But, yeah, the super speed, even though it's 60 miles per hour by modern scenes. Well, that's not fast. That's the flash farts faster than that. So, I mean, come on. But well, right, but that's ooh. also not the same world no, anyway. Uh, my, my whole thing, I, I always love. When it when a show permeates a pop culture uh, beyond the actual running, uh, my my favorite comedy of all time and Tony's least favorite comedy of all time, Scrubs, um, has one of my favorite six million dollar man jokes uh, ever because the lawyer Ted is an acapella band who specializes only in TV theme songs, and um, I'm gonna see if this works, but. They start doing the song, and the joke at the end is, like, the best. Sometimes just making a decision is half the battle. Gentlemen, we can rebuild him. We have the technology. We can make him better than he was before. Better, stronger, faster. Your shinnanananananans could be louder. And the very criticizes the dude. And Tony, who is as disappointing as a series. You're disappointing as a person. But anyway, excellent, excellent choice. We will move on to Patrick's about to call you Bruce, Tony. Tony's number one. Hey, whatever. That comment broke all three of you, so that was worth it. Tony's number one. Dave's six, Patrick's two. I mean, David Carradine's character here. I, I love the setting of of the the you know late eighteen hundreds Western United States, and that's where this basically takes place. What's he's a monk. Kung Fu. Kung Fu. Okay. Kung Fu. Um, he he comes to the United States seeking out his brother, who whose whose master's nephew killed him, and then in turn he killed that one and Latin fled and in turn Carradine, the half brother leaves to go find him. Uh, but it's just a, it's just a very interesting show. It's slow until it's not, but I mean, one of the, mo- probably I, arguably one of the, mo- the most iconic show of the seventies Kung Fu. I mean, the, they, they came up with another new series. I believe there's been movies, but I mean, David Carradine playing this character is excellent. So, I really struggled with whether to make this number two or number one. And the reason I ended up making it number two is, believe it or not, because of David Carradine. Uh, and the one thing I will never forgive Warner Brothers for doing is replacing the man who was originally chosen for this role. Do you know who that was? I don't, but I mean, in in retrospect, could it had could it have had more success than it did? It was Bruce fucking 
Lee. I was thinking it might have been him. Well, Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee. This was actually this whole series and show was the brainchild. Hold on, was the brainchild of Bruce Lee. He was the co- he created the concept, and he was originally going to be the one to play um, Kwai Kwai Chong Kang and Warner Brothers. And, and this is this is one of those things that timing is everything, right? And tragically, he he would die um, before the show ever got off the ground. Um, but he was replaced in casting uh, with David Carradine uh, just prior to his death and the release of Enter the Dragon, which showed that he was going to be a bankable star for audiences, and that his accent and voice weren't going to be a problem. Now, you can argue that his death made Enter the Dragon a bigger deal than what it was. That's a perfectly legitimate thing. But Bruce Lee in the like he this was his dream and his vision show. Yeah that he wanted to write. It's definitely a what could have been and I love the show. I'll I'll Um, I'll wait I'll wait till everybody else goes. Does anybody else want to go or or can Tony Pick a fight. Tony I've can never pick a show before. No. I've never heard of I mean, before. wasn't wasn't Bruce Lee already in an American television series that wasn't that successful before this? If you're gonna fucking blame him for the Green Hornet, get the fuck out of town. I'm just like he I'm, was a, I'm not blaming he him. Was, I'm just he was the reason he it's just what executives he was the, are thinking. No, because it wasn't his show. Dude, you can't put the Green Hornet on was, him. He was fucking Kato. He was I the he was Patrick. Patrick, you I'm just not did. Him. You just I'm not did. blaming him. Shit all I'm, over Bruce Lee. No, I'm telling. God damn it! You I'm heard it here first. Tony hates Bruce Lee. Fill it I'm giving you the perspective of network executives going, "Oh, gee, well, he was just there. Why, why do we want to do that? Let's get this other guy." The only reason the Green Hornet stayed on television was because of Cato. Well, like that's just, largely just recognized. Cato was the guy, and that I, wasn't, I agree like, with you. Bruce Lee, it wasn't Bruce Lee's fault. He wasn't. He wasn't. Kid. No, no. We can have a. We can have it out. You just. I'm gonna get heated and, you know, put you in your place. That's all. You can come back here and play uh, Ray's number one song. We all know what it is. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, what, come back to the show. Are, sh- are we sure? Are we sure we know what it is? I'm pretty what sure because I know it was on my list. Uh, it was on my list. It hasn't played yet. So. Once upon a time, there were three little girls who went to the police academy. Each assigned very hazardous duties. But I... <laughs> like holding a stop sign. As the bucket says hazardous duties, she's holding the stop sign. They could have picked a better thing there. This was on my uh, drama list, I think. It was. Yes, but it, it was. was. Six on my list here and eight on Patrick's. The disrespect. My goodness. <laughs> um, no. Hey, come on, I mean, it should have been higher, gentlemen. I like a um, blue. More and um, well, Starsky I, and Hutch. More and uh, at least you know what Kung Fu is. Like, I had never heard of it before today, so like we talked dude, about it in the drama. It's a great show. All you got to do with this is say Farrah Fawcett, and everybody's gonna say, "Yep, I'm in." Well, that too, that too. But also, um, what I love about the show, particularly as we talked a little bit about the Wonder Woman, is we're in a world in the '70s where we're just getting out of so much oppression 
And to have a show that was this popular with three women who, of course, looks played a part in it, but were the heroes beating the hell out of men regularly. Really cool. And it has become we're talking about iconic that pose is iconic as, as as iconic as anything you'll ever see in TV, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, anytime. Um, and uh, yeah, man, and what is represented over the years with the reboot with uh, Barry Moore and uh, Cameron Diaz and Lucy Liu and whatnot, and you know, and 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 probably the song that got Beyonce famous as a, to make her want to do solo was that Independent Women song. Which doesn't matter anywhere here or there, but again, I'm just thinking of things people think of when they think of Charlie's Angels. Um, I can't speak to what it did for the 70s, but I've looked back and saw, and when I was compiling the idea, the the, I didn't do a list, but I had a whole bunch of shows in the 70s, and then I just went through them and picked them. When I was going through that, I saw what the ratings and what the some of the reaction was of this show back in the day, and it hit and. Fair Fawcett is a big part of that. You're right, Dave. But my God, just the idea. I'm really big on appreciating um, first in entertainment. And I could grip if I'm wrong. But before this, had there ever been a show with three female leads that would be, that were the heroes and beating up men? Not Saving really to this extent. Yeah, no. No, so it's, a, deal, it's, a, it's a groundbreaking show in its own right, which is why it was on my list as well and it, it was a charming show as well like it was smart it, it was fun uh and yet at the same time like the, these women weren't pushovers so um yeah it was a f- fine choice for a number one for a number one thank you and, and, and it Good sounds call, like Ray. that's gonna be it all right so that's gonna do it for our top 10 action shows of the 70s remember if you get nothing else out of this list remember that there are lists and that pc tunny hates bruce lee mm-hmm. that's what we got out of today's show agreed yeah mm-hmm. okay yeah, sounds, sounds like right. the, the rest yeah, of the room does, they're all, sound, yeah, they're all about right yeah accurate accurate um before we get out of here though i do want to just uh this came through on the news today as we're recording here on sunday the 19th happy trails to richard belzer uh actor and comedian uh, probably most known for his work on Law and Order. I do believe he was uh, one of the many cast members in uh, iterations of uh, of Law and Order. He was also a comedian, stand up comedian as well. Isn't he the guy uh, that Hulk glass. Hogan put in the front face lock, and he fell he and cracked his head. Hulk Hogan put, yeah, that is also the same guy because he was popping off about wrestling being fake in front of a, a, an old school eighties oh, wrestler. Oh, that's the dude it's that so passed away today, Richard Belzer. Yeah. Oh. So, but he, okay. he would become he would become most known for his uh, his role and I can't remember what the name of the character was but in one of the Law and Orders it may have even just been the original Law and Order but he was a big part of that show as well so happy trails Richard Belzer uh, before we get out of here everybody do a quick once around tell everybody where they can find you on the Twitterverse and the Chair Shot Radio Network this week we will start below me and I will point down to one David Ungar it's funny I'm above you on my screen but hey. It's okay. You can uh, check me out on Twitter at Attitude Ag. That is at Attitude A-G-G. Facebook.com forward slash Attitude of Regression. And, of course, my burner account at PC Hates Bruce. There you go. And with the aforementioned down diagonally to my right, Mr. PC Tony. 
yeah, follow me at PC Tunney and just continue to listen to everything on the Chairshot Radio Network. You know, you can find that stream on all of your favorite platforms, sports, entertainment, and of course the wrestling. We got you covered. And we'll bring it up with Raymond S. Cashington the third. That's the only one you got right, because I am actually telling you right. Um on my screen, that's how it looks. I so I don't care how it looked on your screen. Um, you can fo- you can follow me on Tout at Kang was robbed, but if you want to follow me on the Twitter, at Re- it's at Ray Cash R A Y S Mysterios C A S H as in dollars, and I see you with your fisticuffs. I've got you. Let's find the cat. Oh well, yeah, yeah. We just, I, we're all gonna jump the cat now. We jump with the cat because Honey hates Bruce Lee. That's what we're doing. Yeah. Well, I I need you to tell people where to find you and then where to listen to you. Did you do that part? I just did that. See, not listening. There you go. Yeah. Why are Twitter, you again? Why are you on? Why are you on the show? Black History Month. That's true. You know, I knew there's there was a, a reason. Trunk. That's back. a flex. If ever there was Boom, one, there Pat. it is. All right. Well, you can follow me on the Twitter at Wrestling Realist. That is at W R E S T L N G R E A L I S T. We even gave Tony a headache on that one. Also, make sure you follow the show on Twitter at Bandwagon Nerds at exactly as it's spelled. Uh, you can listen to me every Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday on the Chair Shot Radio Network. Monday, talking with these yahoos on the bandwagon. Tuesday, I'm hanging out with Dave Ungar, talking hockey and music. Wednesdays, I'm with Greg DeMarco on the Greg DeMarco Show, talking some wrestling. That is going to do it for this week's edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Now, get yourself out of the basement, get some sun, and seek out Kung Fu. That show hell of a show learn to appreciate what could have been with bruce lee and don't be like pc tunny and hate it you've been listening to bandwagon nerds here on the chair shot radio network here on the chair pc tunny hates bruce lee more than you take out. Ah, is that the trick? Well, it helps. Are you trying to get me fat? No, I'm trying to get you healthy. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, ladies. Hi. You're all looking very chipper. Ready for the launching pad? Any idea what this one's all about, Woodville? Charlie will let you know when he calls. Why does it always have to be on the phone? Why can't we ever see Charlie? I believe that was very clearly spelled out when you were hired. Nobody sees Charlie except me. He's a very private person.
I know that, but to work for a man you've never laid eyes on seems so impersonal. And you, Miss Monroe, would like to make it personal? Come on, be a pal. I can't tell you how many hours I've spent lying in bed trying to put a face and a body on that voice. Beats watching the late show, I imagine. <laughs> make yourselves comfortable. Don't tell me you're falling for Charlie. A voice on the telephone. Mm -hmm. Don't be silly. Mm -mm. Here we go. All present and accounted for, sir. Good morning, angels. Good, Good morning, morning, Charlie. Are we ready, Bosley? Give me just a moment, sir. This is a tough one, Angels. Doubt if I could do it myself, even if I wanted to. Needs the feminine touch. He uh, no speak any English? Huh? Well, I don't speak Chinese. Did I tell you to get out? Get out. Oh, you want me to help you? Huh? Well, that's unfriendly. <laughs> Chinaman, I'm going to bust your head. Exactly what you're going through. 